This is One Bills Live, presented by Kaleida Health. And I'm in trouble. Run up them racks in that duffel. Welcome to what is already an emotionally charged MetLife Stadium here in East Rutherford, New Jersey, for what many have labeled the game of the week as the Buffalo Bills take on the division rival New York Jets on Monday Night Football. At the Jets 43, back to pass, has time, pressure coming. Here comes Leonard Floyd for the sack. He didn't let Rodgers get away that time as the new addition to the Bills pass rush paying early dividend. Hands it off to Brees Hall, who takes another long carry into the secondary. Gets by the safety, he could be gone. 40, 30, Benford in pursuit and hauls him down at the 15-yard line. Brees Hall's first carry since the first series. The first carry went for 26. That one went for 80-plus. Allen looking left, now right. Pocket collapsing, rolling right, rolling to the sideline. Falls into the end zone, throws it to Diggs for a touchdown! Allen falling out of bounds, finds Diggs at the last possible second. First and 10 from the 38, back to pass, pressure coming. Over the middle, intercepted by Matt Milano! Down to the 40, to the 35-yard line of the Jets! The All-Pro with the INT and flags fly here at the end of the play. Allen back to pass, fires to the right corner, picked off by Jordan Whitehead, his third interception of the game. Here's the snap, looking for a fade ball to Wilson, and tipped by Tredavious White, and caught anyway for the touchdown by Garrett Wilson. Unbelievable, a three-yard touchdown reception. Snap is fumbled by Allen, who lunges forward and fumbles the football. It's loose, and the Jets say they have it. And they do. There's the snap by Ferguson. Hold down. Kick is long enough. It's off the upright and through. It's good. We're tied at 16 with two seconds remaining. Tyler Bass puts everyone's heart in their throat, but it's good. Gibson has room to run at the 35, cuts it back to the 40, has an alley down the left sideline, to the 50, to the 40, blockers in front to the 30, down to the 20, to the 10, still on his feet, and into the end zone, and that's the ball game. The rookie undrafted, Xavier Gibson, goes all the way 65 yards for a game-winning touchdown in overtime. That's the Toshiba game rewind. Toshiba, the official copier company of the Buffalo Bills. Welcome into a Buffalo football Tuesday after a gut-wrenching defeat at the hands of the New York Jets on Monday Night Football in week one to open the season. I've credited Steve Tasker with this more than once already. Did it on the morning show here in Buffalo with uh, Jeremy and Joe. I'll do it again here. The Bills, to get beat, need to help their opponent in doing so. And even then, it's a one-score game. Each one of the Buffalo Bills' three regular season losses last year came with assistance from the Buffalo Bills. Week three at Miami. Week nine against the Jets. 
Week 10 against the Minnesota Vikings. And most of them involved negative turnover differentials. And that was, again, the case last night. And it took overtime to beat the Bills. Yeah, I was surprised. Again, you're right. Um, the turnovers were what did it. Um, and, and, you know, the, the fact that Josh was slinging it. And Josh didn't play like we had seen him play. Um, and, you know, you could tell by the look on his face postgame, he was sick uh, about how it, how it happened. Have no idea what the effect of the consciousness on the sideline when the, when the word gets around on the Bills' sideline that Aaron Rodgers is out for the game, how that affected their ability to go out and really bear down. Uh, it seemed like it, you know, for a minute, when you go in this half 13-3 and you're thinking, you know what? I th- Jets are going to have a hard time coming back out of that. But they got it right. done. They did get it done. And I think they did get some help from the Bills. No question about it. This is what we've said time and time again. You try not to overreact to games like this, and we shouldn't. I mean, I mean, this is when you turn the ball over like that, and I said this on, on the Bills Tonight show, nobody cares when Josh turns it over if they're scoring 30 points a game because mm-hmm. they're still hard to catch. And the Bills' defense kind of stifles it. But when you turn it over four times and score 16, that's a problem. Yep. That's a problem. So, I think that's where the Bills are right now. And uh, it, was, it was tough to watch last night. It was one of those games that just makes you feel sick because they just couldn't get out of their own way. It's, it's just one of those sickening games, and it, everything looks difficult and all that. Um, and I'll say this. We kind of poo-pooed the Jets' self-proclaimed 85 Bears defense. They played really well last night. Quinnen Williams is a is a boatload of problems, just in and of himself. And it's not just him. He is a real his, problem. His brother, Quincy Williams, who plays linebacker, yeah. just as down they, C.J. Mosley all over the field. One of the things that teams do to the Bills almost every game You'll see them on other games. When you watch them play on film, they'll be doing stunts, and they'll be looping guys around up front, and they'll be trying to get a free rusher on the, on the quarterback. Teams do not do that against Josh. They rush four guys straight ahead and try and hold him, fence him in to keep him from running. You saw it a couple of times last night where they got him down on the ground because they wouldn't let him escape. One, you know, uh, that's what teams do, and the Jets have the guys – to make that a real problem because they crush the pocket fast. Well, and then later in the game, after rushing straight up the field, they did run some stunts in end games. And there was one particular time where Josh drops back in the pocket. He has Stephon Diggs out to his left for a free six yards. He tries to take off and run straight up into the pocket and through the pocket. And they had looped Jermaine Johnson yeah, underneath, Jermaine was, Jermaine and was he was right guy. there waiting for him. When they brought five guys, they'd do some more exotic stuff with the fifth guy, but they always had four guys rushing. Yeah. And Jermaine Johnson kind of cut underneath and kind of spied Josh and got him right as he tried to if, – if he doesn't make that tackle, Josh is off and running off to the races. It's a different play. Um, that happened a couple of times last night. And teams are kind of getting to where they've got to make that happen. Now, the Jets – Unlike a lot of teams the Bills play, I would say the majority of teams the Bills play, the Jets have the guys to make that work in their favor. They're not just trying to hem Josh in. They're trying to make a play on him with just rushing four straight. And he's not being able to escape. It was a problem last night. Josh escaped a couple of times, but he did it 
sideline to sideline. You know, he's right. going out around the edge when they, when they lost contain. He rarely stepped up through the pocket. He did it once early on in the game on a third and eight, and he got a 14-yard run. Third and nine, he got a 14-yard run early on. We kind of remember that play. But that's something the Jets can do that a lot of defenses cannot, and the Bills got to f- formulate an answer to that when it does happen. They've got to come up with an answer to that when, when that is the case. The biggest problem here is Josh Allen's propensity to turn the ball over with ill-advised decisions. And the troubling thing for Bills fans, based on the feedback we saw on social media and on the call-in shows, is that he is not learning and improving from the mistakes that he is making. This is a six-year player who has not cut down on the turnovers in any way, shape, or form. And I heard some people saying today, oh, Brian Dable kept his turnovers down. No, he didn't. Since 2021, his 29 interceptions are the most in the NFL. He added three more last night, so he's now up to 32. His 19 total giveaways last year led the NFL. As we know, the Bills had 27 total giveaways last season, good for second most in the league. Going into the game, Josh Allen had seven career interceptions against the Jets. It was tied for the most against any opponent with New England. You would expect it to be a division opponent because you play him twice a year. But now in 10 career games, Steve, against the Jets, Josh Allen has nine touchdown passes, 10 interceptions, and seven fumbles lost. He has 17 turnovers 17 turnovers in 10 career games against the Jets. You want to know why the Jets give the Bills problems? That's because it. Josh turns the football over. Yeah, and that's and a little bit of it is because the Jets' defense is yeah, built that they deserve that some credit they for that. Some credit. But 17 um, is an enormous number in 10 games. That's right. Enormous. And I think that's, and that's one of the things. We've been talking about this all morning, you can tell, and I don't want to overreact to any of this, but you know, it, I think this is more about – it's not Josh about Josh's ability or his – I think it's about his mindset when he goes into those games. I think he has a hard time staying calm and cool, as we've seen him do in other times, against other opponents. Yeah. The Jets, because of the pressure and because of that collapsing pocket and because he can't get out and make himself have some time as easily as he can against other teams, I think it starts to – Starts to steamroll on him. Right. I felt he was skittish in the pocket last night. There were times he left the pocket when he didn't need to, but I think it's because the consistency of that pocket was largely compromised on the edges last night by the pass rush, and it impacted him. Even when he's rolling to the left and he throws that interception while rolling to his left, he has to alter the throw because Quinn and Williams is in his face. He has to alter the trajectory and the angle of the throw, and that's why it's off the mark. So, yes, they are responsible for forcing some of those turnovers. But 17 is way too many in 10 games. It's way too many no, no matter what kind of stretch you're talking about. And it's alarming because we're going on the third season now. I mean, the last two seasons, 29 picks leads the NFL from 2021 to 2022, and he's got three more last night. It has to get corrected, 
And the only person that can really correct it is Josh. And I mentioned this this morning on the GR Morning Show. I am not a coach. I don't know how you correct this with a, with a quarterback. But I would like to think that there is a means by which you can alter the way he plays the game without sacrificing his enormous athletic talents. The football IQ has to go up here. And here's the startling thing for me. Josh Allen is a highly intelligent quarterback. He, he has a voluminous playbook that he can process and execute with the best of them. But these mistakes keep happening in games, and it is killing this football team. And now we have a long enough body of work here, Steve, where people are genuinely worried that it is a fatal flaw in Josh Allen's game. Why? Because it hasn't been mitigated. It hasn't been corrected for any appreciable amount of time. He'll have four, three or four games where he has only one turnover, and, and that's considered a victory. But two and three, and last night four, it's not sustainable. You cannot win, no matter how good you are, turning the ball over that much. It's amazing to me. Well, that this team was 13-3 yeah. and three last year with 27 amazing. giveaways. Brian, Brian, it's not amazing. They're really good. I know. That's the amazing thing. They played a really good defense last night, and they didn't score enough points to win. Um, I, I don't, I'm not going to overreact and say Josh is, has a fatal flaw. I, I'm not I don't saying that either, but well, people you, out there are worried about all it. Right, that, yeah, okay, that's fine. They can do that. But that's, to me, an overreaction. Josh had a rough game against a really good defense on opening day when you didn't know exactly what it was going to look like um, when there was a lot of unknowns that we had talked about all the way to lead up. So let's, you know, let's pump the brakes on the fatal flaw stuff and thinking that Josh is irreversibly broken because I, I just don't know. I don't it. think no, I don't think he's broken. And, but how do you say go this, about correcting Certainly that. turnovers is the one thing that has been a hallmark of his career so far. But. We've also learned that that's kind of something you're going to live with with him because of the, some of the other plays he makes um, to a certain extent. Now, sometimes, like last night, yeah, it's going to happen more than you can overcome. Right. And last night, I mean, that was, a, that was a side of Josh we haven't seen since his rookie or second year. So I think, to me, that's an opening night snafu that I got is not going to, I will say, it's not going to happen again. An anomaly. It's an anomaly. Because you could, if you took last night and said that's how it's going to be, yeah, he, he's not going to play well. I just don't think that's going to happen. I don't think that's going to happen either. But last night, was a, it was a rough game, bad game. And we saw him do something, like the, like the fumbled snap. Uh, that's, I think, a fumbled snap like that, throwing that ball up for grabs twice, um, now the interception to Gabe Davis on the on the that's hey that was a good defensive play that you see that around the league, but the fumbled snap and the and the subsequent try and recovery and it and it came out again then the two long, on the ball there right? and the two long interceptions, those are a guy who is in a bad headspace already and he's having trouble getting out of it and I don't know how you get out of it during the game. Okay, so let's talk. I th- I, you know you got to have some guys that are aware enough. On the sidelines and up in the coaches' booth, say, "Hold on, let's just—you yeah. know what—we're going to do a reset here and just calm down for a minute." And I don't know if they ever did that. Yeah. So let's talk about this. You mentioned mindset. As a veteran quarterback, 
when you see Aaron Rodgers leave the game, you have to believe that all I have to do is just make positive plays, maybe even err on the side of being a little more conservative here right. because I'm not going to be pressed to do extra to win this game because a four-time MVP is no longer playing. To me, right. you almost scale it back rather than going the other way and taking chances. You take less risk once Rodgers goes out of the game. And I think that's a, that's a yeah. mindset f- switch that Josh doesn't flip. Now, uh, well, part of it's because he's insanely competitive, and you like that. That's, that's an asset in this league. But there are, there are circumstances that come up in games where you have to kind of dial that down a little bit because with no Rodgers, the game should be in the bag even against an all-world defense like that if you just string plays together. And look, for the majority of the game, he did. There was a stretch. He was like 24 of 28 passing, and two of his incompletions were interceptions. Yeah, He was highly efficient. And then there's just these stray plays where he says, I'm going to get it all here. Right. And it turns into a catastrophic disaster. He gets impatient. And there's, and it's got to be, and I think that you need some plain talk as well on the headsets and also when they say, listen, you know, points are a premium. Do not, yeah. You saw Sean pointing to his head on the sideline saying, play smart. And I'll say this too. Think about this. And I think some Bills fans were like, we were talking about this last night uh, during the game up in the control room. Like, you know, after Aaron Rodgers goes out in this game, and Josh might have been thinking this too, and I, I have not talked to him, and I wouldn't know. You almost start gripping because, like, wow, what if we lose this game now without and them not having Aaron Rodgers? And all of a sudden you start panicking, and that's a bad headspace to be in. Yeah, you you can't, can't let it get there. Yeah, you can't think that you can't, way. You can't think that way. you got to think, let's seize the game, but we don't have to take any unnecessary risk here. Yeah. We have the advantage now, so let's just – manage the game, get the points we need to win, and not take any unnecessary risk. And that's that's yeah. the, that's the flaw in the approach that he took. And I'm going to reference this because there are other elite quarterbacks who had issues, different kinds of issues, not turnover issues. Patrick Mahomes lost Tyreek Hill, and every defense in the league was playing cover two shell against him. And he adopted a more efficient way of moving the team down the field, throwing the football underneath. He did it all the way to the Super Bowl. Joe Burrow last year decided he was tired of getting sacked 65 times a season. He adopted a Tom Brady short passing style to get the ball out of his hands quickly to mitigate the pass rush. He took it all the way to the AFC championship game. It's on Josh Allen to make the same adjustment. More conservative play. I'm not saying you don't take shots down the field mm-hmm. or there aren't instances in games where we're down 10, we got to take a shot here. I'm, I'm totally on board with that. But you have an elite team, an elite roster, and if a defense dictates to you you're only getting six yards here, eight yards there, four yards there, guess what? You got to take that and yeah. win that because, way. Because here's what's going to happen. Teams will see that in you and make the same – sort of conclu- come to the same sort of conclusions we come to, you know, in our overreactions and our and our off-the-wall observations. But they'll start to play defense in that way and almost bait you into doing it. And they'll, tr- they'll just see if you can be patient enough 
not to try that and give him the ball back. They'll do that. That's the book on Josh now. That's right. That's hey, got to be part of the – just keep forcing him to take the underneath stuff. He'll crack at some point and take an unnecessary risk. And the Jets proved it last night. They kept giving him little stuff. Oh, eventually, don't worry. He's going to want to take a risk and make a big play. Right. That's yeah, what happened. And, that, and, that's what, and that's what teams will try and do. Now, they, you know, it's, it's easier said than done. I mean, it's hard to play Absolutely. defense like that. Uh, and, it, and it's – you know, it's a weapon in your arsenal as a Bills offense, thinking they're gonna they're gonna give you some stuff if you can take it. But uh, teams will try everything, just like this. Just like we've talked about the strategy they're using. Without you know, they don't want to get exotic up front. They just want to push, 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 make it close in around Josh and not give him a lane to step up through, even in man coverage. Uh, so they know they're they're gonna try and do everything they can to use that kind of mindset against him. Yeah, like I said. Uh, I'm I'm not going to overreact to week one anywhere. The Bills, the the Chiefs, and the Bengals. They're all 0-1. All 0-1. All 0-1. Uh, and that game, think about this if you're a Miami Dolphins fan. That game last night could not have gone better. Could not have gone better unless Josh got hurt as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're sitting there looking at the Jets now going, okay, now we got a chance at this now, right? I mean, that's one of the teams, one of the horses just stumbled, right? And the one that we are, have been chasing for three years, they took an L. That's got to be a great morning to be a Miami Dolphins fan. Um, but, man, oh, man, <laughs> we got 16 games to go, and it's going to be a wild ride. Um it's not time yet. Uh, tomorrow we'll do it. We'll start turning the page and thinking about the, the Raiders. Raiders. But it's – and I don't know. Maybe maybe it's just because Brownie and I are sick to death of talking. We talk about this all the time, more, more so than anybody else. It is an exact it – is, this is a Buffalo Bills loss. Just like I told you the Chiefs loss on Thursday night last week, that was a Buffalo Bills loss that the Chiefs took. You give it to them, you, yeah. you hand it to them on a silver platter, and they can still barely beat you. Yeah. Took overtime last it night. It took overtime to beat them. The Bills come back. Can you imagine how Jet fans would have feel if Bills come back, doink one off the uprights, and then go down and score a touchdown to win that game after all of that? Yeah. I mean, that, that, that's what it takes to beat this team. They, all, they, have to get, they have to almost stand on your sideline to help you in games like that. And yeah. you still beat them by one possession. Uh, it's amazing. In, in case you didn't see it, uh, it is official. Aaron Rodgers does, in fact, have a ruptured Achilles, and he will miss the remainder of the season. Uh, that official word coming down this morning after MRIs revealed the ruptured Achilles on the sack by Leonard Floyd just four plays into the game. Aaron Rodgers did not complete a pass for the Jets um, before exiting the game, and now there will be questions as to whether he comes back next season and plays or um, whether he calls it a career. Uh, the general consensus, I think, is that he will try to come back and play. I can't see him wanting to see his new lease on life with the Jets end this way after just four snaps. So it's going to be interesting to see where the Jets go from here. Robert Sala has already said that Zach Wilson is the starting quarterback for the rest of the season. I will um, – we're all assuming that the Jets will pick up some other veteran, somebody like a Cold McCoy, for example, who was released by the Cardinals recently. There are other options out there. But they have to get – they don't have another quarterback on their roster, so they have to get another one in there in short order 
um, to back up Zach Wilson uh, for the rest of the season. Uh, we are going to get to the phones here at 803-0550, 1-888-550-2550 for your thoughts and takeaways from the Bills' six-point overtime loss at the hands of the Jets, and we lead off with Mike in Buffalo. What do you got for us, Mike? Hey, how you doing? Doing well. Uh, yes, you know, well, I thought we should have won that game. You know, it's a sad game. One, I got three, you know, things. One, Ellen, I don't know what he was doing. I don't know if it's Edwards in the game. Three interceptions, two, a backup string, and then three, there was a lot of bad calls against us. I mean, what is what are we going to do to win these games? And we got the Raiders at home. I mean, is the Bills fans going to just give up on them, or are we going to be in a head? No, Mike, don't overreact. They, they had a bad game, lost to a really good defense, really good team. They're going to be fine. They're going to recover from this, going to come out, and they're going to play better against the Raiders. Don't – yeah, they're – I know it. when you lose a game <coughs> – a game, excuse me, the way they did, you, you, doubts start to creep in. Don't believe it. Doubts aren't going to creep in for the Bills. They're going to be motivated by this, and they're going to get back to their their process – they're going to go roll through this week, and they're going to roll out next week with a chip on their shoulder. Don't, don't think this a loss like this, as much as it stings, is going to hurt any more than in 2021 when they dropped their opening game to the Steelers, and they dropped a, later on in the season they dropped a six to nine decision to the Jaguars. Jaguars, or last year when they absolutely piddled away of a, a, a loss to the Minnesota Vikings. Um, yeah, this it's these losses all hurt. And we were all excited for the season. We're disappointed. And in a game where the, the other team's best player, or most accomplished player at least, uh, goes down, you think, wow, it should have been a, you know, easy streak getting a win. And it didn't happen. But that, you know, all that stuff, that's the way it goes. You, you got to bounce back and you got to play well in every given moment. And your mistakes come back to haunt you. And that's what really cost the Bills that game last night was their own mistakes. Those – Unlike all the stuff that the Jets did well, all the stuff the Bills, all the mistakes the Bills made are correctable. And they'll be working on it. And they'll be thinking about it and talking about it. And we can say that, hey, well, he having, you know, it's the same old thing. Well, in some ways it is. In other ways, it's probably going to be a lot better this coming week. And you can bet well, on it. So yeah, if, one of the, if there is one of the strengths of Sean McDermott's coaching acumen, it is being able to course correct his football team after a down performance. So. Let's all hope that that proves correct yet again here in week two coming up. We go to Chance in Alabama next. What do you got for us, Chance? Hey, how y'all doing today? Good, good. You know, we complain about the game yesterday is the turnovers. It's getting ridiculous, guys. I mean, Josh Allen has turned into a turnover machine. The guy drops the ball constantly. He throws interceptions constantly. It's getting really old. He's supposed to be a top three quarterback in this league, you know, behind Mahomes and Burrow, but it doesn't look like it. I mean, you, I mean, just hand the ball off. If you, if you're, if you're going to keep throwing picks, and you're going to keep dropping the ball, and, and you know, looking around confused, you know, I, we all know the Jets have a really good defense. So just hand the ball off. Hand it to Cook. Hand it to you know whoever the other running back is. I mean, it, it is getting old. I am sick of turnovers. I mean, if I want a turnover, I'm going to drive to Arby's drive-thru and get an Apple turnover. I don't want any more turnovers. It is disgusting. Hand the ball off. All right. Thanks, Chance. Um, This is what I'm talking about. I I think the 
the last two years, Josh has turned the ball over more than any other quarterback. And Bills fans, I think, are genuinely concerned now. And I think the greatest concern is that the turnovers are going to be too numerous to overcome. More often than not, the Bills still win, even when there are a couple of turnovers in a game. When you start getting to three and four, it becomes almost insurmountable to overcome. And that's where the concern lies um, for fans of this team. I understand it. I get it. The numbers are ugly. And, you know, from where fans sit and from where we sit, there's nothing that we can do about it. It's got to get corrected in the locker room, in the film room, and on the practice field. And all you can do is hope that that happens. And as I said just a minute ago, if there's one thing that Sean McDermott does great as a head coach, it's course correct as football team. And we have to just hope that that, in fact, happens as soon as this week. Yeah, I mean, it's we're all sitting in the kind of the same spot here. You, you sit here and you watch your team go through a game like that where they, they look bad and turn the ball over and ha- kind of hand it to the other team in a game where they had no business losing. And uh, you're kind of sitting in that same boat, but you got to know, too, uh, that's where the team's going to be sitting, and that's where the, you know, it's not correctable until it's corrected. And you think this is going to be like this ongoing thing where Josh is never going to be. Listen, don't. They're really good. They got beat last night because they helped the other team beat themselves. And in the middle of a bad performance, it's hard to see light at the end of the tunnel. <laughs> Josh ain't going anywhere. No. He ain't going anywhere. And he's still a top three quarterback in this league. He just has to fix some of the decision-making that he's doing much the way, like I said, much the way Burrow and Mahomes changed the way they played in terms of taking underneath throws, quick-release passing game. He has to adopt the same approach or trying to get it all in one play is going to continue to come back and bite him. More of your phone calls here in a second. We have to take a break now, but we do want your takeaways from Buffalo's week one overtime loss to the Jets next here on One Bills Live, presented by Collider Health. It's Buffalo Bills Radio. This week's player of the game is presented by Wegman's Meals to Go. Wegman's Meals to Go, delicious meals delivered. Download their app. Today, and the player of the game is Matt Milano, who had a monster game on the defensive side of the ball for Buffalo. Eight tackles, including a tackle for loss. He had a QB hit, two pass breakups, and the interception. Matt Milano, your player of the game, presented by Wegman's Meals to Go. He did have a dynamic performance on defense. He is still elite. I think uh, if you want to draw some positives, Greg Rousseau and Leonard Floyd look awfully good coming off the edges. Ed Oliver had six quarterback pressures. Daquan Jones was a monster inside against the run, particularly late. Well, he gave up, what, 16 points um, and three extra possessions. Uh, Yeah, that was was pretty good performance by this defense. Um, The run run fits notwithstanding that they kind of got. And you were were right. I mean, this is a team that – you know, they when Zach Will Zach Wilson came in, they started going eight man fronts, and all of a sudden, hey, they haven't played eight man fronts 
yeah. in five years. Not used to playing those fits. Yeah, so they came up, and they were a little rusty doing it, and they kind of shored it up later, but, uh, you know, the damage had been done. They snapped off a couple of big long runs, including the 86-yarder, 80, um, which, by the way, kudos to Christian Benford. I don't know how he caught Brees Hall. Brees Hall runs a 4-3-9. Benford ran him down. He ran him down. That's a four-point tackle. If he didn't tackle him, they, they settled for a field goal there. Yeah. That's a four-point tackle. Yep. That's big. Um, so the defense has a lot to kind of hang their hat on. Certainly, uh, you know, they don't – you don't blame them for the punt return for the touchdown in overtime. So those six points go on the special teams. So uh, Tyler Bass was perfect, although the hard way. <laughs> um, yeah, that's amazing. It hit the streamer on the upright from 50 yards, Steve. Just that think about good. that. That would have been good from six. See, it from hit 50. the streamer. It was like it had barely crested when it hit the streamer. I mean, he nutted that thing. Yeah, that would have been good from 65. That's unbelievable. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, that, tough to tough to get through that, man. I mean, that you just feel like there's so much going on. That You just feel like there's, it's just so much washing over you. Aaron Rodgers, out for the game, what's that mean for the Jets? What must they be feeling? What, am, what are we doing? We, all we got to do is just get through this because there's no way the Jets can, can win this game. And then, uh, then receiver Garrett Wilson makes a tip. Tredavious White is all over that guy, swipes at it, and the thing tips three times, comes down in his chest, no. touchdown. He's like, oh, my God, are you kidding There's me? a lot of wacky plays. Um, you know, and then, you know, Josh Allen, uh, I thought the Josh Allen touchdown to Diggs was an easily uh, legal. You look back, it's like it was close. Mm-hmm. And they, they, you have to be, like, clear of the line of scrimmage past it as a quarterback before it's not. His left foot was his past it, foot. but it had not hit the ground yet. Right. So, he's, like, running forward. It's got to be his right foot is on the ground. And his heel is still on the line of scrimmage, and that's all it takes. Yeah. And I was like, wow, all the stuff going on in this game, uh, it all adds up to a six-point loss for the Buffalo Bills and just stinks uh, on an opening game where there was so much anticipation. How, how about that? The anticipation we had for this game as a country, as a, as a football nation, I absolutely got sucked right out of it. Steve, I'm doing the broadcast last night. We get handed from the Jets media department – a five-page list of celebrities at the game last night. Five pages yeah. of people yeah. with their headshots and everything. Now, half of them, I don't even know who the hell they are. Right. They're um, New York guys. But, I mean, everybody from Fat Joe, a rapper from the Bronx, to Justin Timberlake. to It was insane. A five-page list of people. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It was gigantic. <laughs> so, it was a big game, and... Um, the, it looked like the weather was going to be a factor. That blew out qu- quick and early. I mean, that was, was some scary stuff yeah, some an hour before stuff. the game. It's wild. But, man, oh, man, let's, what, what a way to start the season taking one in the teeth like the Bills did uh, and really kind of asking for it the way they played. So uh, there is some things defensively in this game you can hang your hat on. And I think there was some offensive. I'll tell you what, Steph Diggs, man, that dude can play. Well, he said going into the season, and he said it in one of our pregame interviews on the radio network, I've been working on my game. And I'm thinking to myself, this guy? Yeah. Like, he's still working on his game? Yeah, he, he did too. His, his execution 
was airtight last night. Airtight. And the trust that Josh has in him, that one slant he threw with DJ Reed draped all over him and practically running through his back, and he made the play anyway. It, yeah. it was unbelievable. He yeah. He was dynamite last night. He really was. And there were some guys. Milano had the monster game. Milano. I thought James Cook had some up. Some encouraging moments, some performance. Encouraging, yeah. Even, um, there was one blitz pickup. He totally upended Quincy Williams. Yeah. Like, just head I'll, over heels. I'll say this, too. The thing that got me about that jet defense, and we saw it even on that highlight there where you just saw Steph Diggs catch that ball on the sidelines and then sh- and shake Sauce Gardner off his shoulder and get up the field for the first down. That right there is the only missed tackle I can remember last night from the Jet defense. There weren't many. And I have said it uh, time and time again. And if you look around the National Football League and even into history, the best and most elite and most gr- the greatest defenses you can ever name, the first guy that gets there as a defender, the ball's on the ground. Yeah, they get the guy on the ground. The guy's on the ground. That is the, the secret to having a great defense. The no jet, extra yards. No extra yards. No run after tackles. Catch. No run after catch. First guy to the ball gets him on the ground, and the Bills were victims of that. Last night, Josh never broke out, never broke out of the tackles of any of those guys. Um, the receivers catch the ball, they get ta- they're tackled right there. Um, the only time you saw him get run- yards after catch was maybe when Kincaid caught a short one and turned it upfield, and they were waiting on him. They had to wait on him to get there, and that when he got there, they made the tackle. Now he, he pushed him a yard or two, but that was it. Great defenses like this Jet defense, his. Man, they just don't miss tackles. And you hear all these old guys, even those guys on the five presidents text loop that I'm on with all the old players, they always lament about how bad tackling is. But I'm telling you, nothing ever changes. The best defenses tackle well, and the Jets, really, you got to give them credit for that last night. Let's go back to the phones and to Brian in Alabama next. What do you got for us, Brian? Hey, good afternoon, fellas. Um, I'm, I'm the most sensible Bills fan. Um, I, I have a lot of patience. Um, but in all due respect, Steve, you know, to say that, you know, fans are overacting about the loss last night, I, I think we're past that point now because you've seen this time and time and time again, like Chris, Chris mentioned earlier, um, this offense has regressed since last year. They still struggle to run the ball. Uh, Josh Allen still um, has a hard time making the correct reads, and he runs too soon. Um, I feel like that he's – and I knock on wood, I hope he doesn't get hurt, but, I mean, he, I feel like that he's asking for it half the time. Um, last night, our receivers were nowhere to be found. So, you know, in the, in the approach of this offense – taking a more methodical approach down the field or what, or what defenses make the offense try to do. We're not built for that because we don't have the offensive line to, to, to maintain 10 to 15 play drives. So that's why I feel like Josh Allen goes back to Superman Josh Allen and make plays that he shouldn't be trying to make. So, you know, you know, at this point, I don't think it's overreaction. It's something to worry about. Yes, I'm quite sure they'll get back on track this week playing against the Raiders, and then the next week they'll play against the Redskins. But when they play against the upper echelon teams, this offense in general, not just Josh, has a hard time maintaining drives and putting together scores. And I know that you can relate back to the 13-3 season, but towards the middle of the season, they they started struggling on offense then, so you saw it then. So, you know, I hope they. T- I really hope they change. I hope they change it around. I promise you, I do. I want to be optimistic, but 
I mean, the truth is what it is. I mean, this 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 offense is struggling right now. Now, you know, and uh, that's all I had. Yeah. Well, the offense struggled last night. Yeah, I mean, you can't. They were playing an elite it. defense. They're playing an elite. So defense. that has to be factored in. And I, I am not a some of most of what you said. I mean, I, <clears throat> I'm going to disagree with his yeah I'm his claim that they can't sustain drives and the line isn't good enough to do that. I think they are, and proof of that, they had an 11 play, 60 yard drive in the first quarter. Second quarter, 11 plays, 75 yards. And then later in the game, second half, yeah, it was more of a struggle. But against an elite defense, against an elite defense, when Josh was willing to take what it gave him, 11 plays, 60 yards field goal, 11 plays, 75 yards touchdown. It's there. That's proof that it's there. You just have to be willing to continually take it and you should have enough points at the end because guess what? Your defense is good enough too. Yeah. Um, if, you, if you think they've got chronic problems and they're, they're, we're past the point of whatever, whatever it was he said, past There's the point. There's a pattern of, of turnovers. Yeah, That's pattern, what's trouble. Never, you're never gonna, but then you say in the same breath, you probably, they're probably going to get it back on track next week. My <laughs> man. What are you talking about? Yeah. I mean, yeah. Well, he know he believes you know the caliber of better. opponent is lower. And let me tell lower. you something. I, yeah, we all we all struggle. We want them to score forty-one points every week, like they did against the Tennessee Titans week two. They want them to score thirty-eight points against the like they did against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Yeah, and it's all it's well. Not and how good. the league works. It's not how the league works. And let me tell you something. There ain't nothing wrong with this offense. They were number two in scoring last year with a brand new offensive coordinator. They're not broken. They looked bad last night because they turned it over four times. That's it. They turned it over four times. You can say, you can for whatever reason, you can blame Josh, you can blame Ken Dorsey, you can blame whatever. When you turn it over four times, you lose. Yeah. And that's what happened. And the Bills know it. They're one of the few teams that can turn it over four times and still beat you. But it's not going to happen very often, particularly against a defense like the ones they played faced last night. So you're right. We all agree. When the Bills turn it over like that, they're easier to beat. Not easy to beat, but easier to beat. It still took overtime. So uh, you can say, yeah, it was Zach Wilson. on Yes, and I know this too. If Aaron Rodgers had played that game last night, I think a lot of things would have been different. Maybe the Bills lose big. Maybe they don't. I don't know. But he, what, he didn't, and Zach Wilson got another win against the Buffalo Bills. And that, to me, is is almost comical. It's astonishing. So, uh, yes, when the Bills turn it over, they're easier to beat. That's what we mean when we, Brownie and I say, you know, the Bills help their opponents more, a, a lot of times so much so that they can't beat them. They can't beat their opponent. Um, and if they stop doing that, I think the Bills, when we all, a lot of us agree, they're really impossible to beat. But that's part of who they are. we got to live with it. And so, and they got to fix it. So if they do, that's going to increase their chances exponentially. But you're right. We haven't seen enough of it on a regular basis, particularly in the last year of Josh, last two years of Josh. We haven't seen enough of this turnover cut down to think that, you know, it's going to be fixed any near time in the near future. You just got to hope they can score points. Break time for us. More of your phone calls when we come back here on One Bills Live. Stay tuned.
Numbers That Matter is presented by the New York Lottery. Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs are the second Bills quarterback-wide receiver duo to reach 30 regular season touchdowns, along with Hall of Famers Jim Kelly and Andre Reid, who are far ahead with 65. And remember, when the Bills get a sack, you could get a sack of $5,000 cash. Enter the Sacks of Cash promotion presented by the New York Lottery at buffalobills.com slash sacks of cash for your chance to be the fan of the game and win five grand for every bill sack gambling problem call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text hope and why let's get back to the phones and to jj in east aurora next what do you got for us jj yeah uh i'm going back to something that was talked about before the break i know you guys are pretty big ken dorsey believers but i really think it's time to to look in a different direction you know who's a great offensive mind that has, doesn't have a job right now that's cliff kingsbury bring him in let him play that offense that that's high powered like he did in arizona with josh he's got the weapons for it i think that's a, a valuable move yeah uh what do you not see in ken dorsey jj why why do you feel this uh, is a decision Honestly, just stemming back to last season, he's not getting the weapons involved. And in Arizona, Kingsbury was able to get his big play target, DeAndre Hopkins, the ball all the time. Diggs isn't getting the ball enough. We're we're not moving the ball on offense. He's our best player by far. you got to give him the ball and let him move down the field. Diggs had 12 targets, 10 receptions for 102 yards and a touchdown. So I don't know where you're coming from saying he's not getting the ball enough. He was the highest targeted player on the field yesterday. So that's number one. Number two, Cliff Kingsbury got fired in Arizona because he wasn't effective as an offensive play caller. And number three, he does have the jo- a job. He's working at USC in the college ranks. So he's, uh, he's their senior offensive analyst. And oh, by the way, in case you forgot, the Bills were second in the league in points, second in the league in total offense, led the league in third down conversion rate, and were number nine in the red zone. You want to fire that guy? I think you're insane after one game. So, do a little more research. After one game when Josh throws it up for grabs twice. Just come with a better take. Come on, man. I mean, have some evidence to back up your argument. I mean, you're saying Stephon Diggs is not getting targeted enough. He's 12 targets last night for 10 catches for 102 yards and a touchdown. Just come on. We are in a bad way today, man. Just a little homework. ugly game, and, man, we're beside ourselves, Just be better. Just be better. (laughs) I don't mind if you have a criticism about the performance last night. But just have something to back up your argument, just a little bit. I get it. I mean, yeah. I mean, offense looks bad. It's the coach's fault. For me, it was as a, not Ken as Dorsey's a, fault. As a former player, come on. As a guy who, a long time ago, and and not very often as an offensive player, strapped it on. I players blame play. I, I you got to lay this at the feet of the players. There's no at at this level, coaches give you a solid workable game plan now it's up to you to execute it now you can say what you want about their preparation going into it and ha- you know trying to get Josh prepared mentally for this maybe they they need to change that process a little bit and get him into a better headspace where he's not out there going off the rails after you've got an 11 play drive and a 10 pl- 12 play drive and then all of a sudden he starts throwing it up for grabs or panicking with the ball in his hand dropping it around maybe all of that stuff but man oh man Steph Diggs was dynamite last night, and they went. And now, he's this probably year, your best offensive player on the field, Kincaid. If Kincaid has For both teams, if Kincaid, maybe with the exception of Brees Hall, if Kincaid has seven, let me just let me just do the math here. If Kincaid has seventeen games of games just like the one he had last night, 
he'll have he will almost double the rookie tight end record for receptions in a season in all of NFL history. And I'm sorry, I was wrong. Diggs had 13 targets. So, and that's so, and that's twice as many as two. anyone else on the field on offense for the Bills. Please, so, with this, they don't target Diggs enough. Get so, the hell out of here. So, He's the second most targeted receiver in football the last two years. Yeah. And don't tell me, Doris, get the come on now. Yeah. Just do some homework if you're going to have a take. Honest to God. I'm, we're in a bad way, Brownie. You got you to have, have a little grace for Bills fans today. They are venting. Look, I understand people are ticked, but like, if you're going to make a call like that, back it up just with some hard <laughs> facts, just once, please. Sorry, we got to take a break on, here. Take it easy. It's uh, going to be all right. You know, we're we're going to have just, uh, we, second hour of the show. Uh, we got Sean McDermott. He's going to be addressing the media here via Zoom. When that happens, we will carry it live right here on the second hour of the show on One Bills Live, presented by Collider Health. It's Buffalo Bills Radio. Presented by Kaleida Health. Hour number two on a Buffalo football Tuesday after a humbling overtime defeat at the hands of the shorthanded New York Jets who lost Aaron Rodgers after four plays last night. 22 to 16 in overtime. We are taking your takeaways from last night's game at 803-0550. And let's get right to the phones. We do anticipate hearing from head coach Sean McDermott who addresses the media sometime this hour when that happens, we will take you there live. In the meantime, we go to Lewis in Rochester. Lewis, what do you got for us? You're on One Bills Live. Hey, guys. Uh, I'm a Vikings fan, so I feel your pain, okay? I felt your pain with the four Super Bowl losses, and I feel your pain now. But I got some encouraging news. They played their – Bills played their worst game ever. Worst game ever, and it went to overtime. So they're not going to do that again. They're not going to play like that again. That was just an opening game aberration. The only thing I would worry about is their offensive line. They, they, it's, you can't easily fix an offensive line. So if they face an, another a pretty good defense again, they're going to have to have some plans. Yeah, and uh, Max, Crosby, Max Crosby this week is a guy they're going to have to game plan for. Yeah, luckily not too many teams can field a defensive front like as deep Jets. and talented as the Jets can, yeah. so they're not going to see that again until they play the Jets again. In my, in, I don't think. Right. Well, the Eagles maybe have a the pretty Eagles good front. later on in the year, but by Dallas that time, Cowboys have a pretty good front later on in the year. You probably by that time you probably have some. You'll be a bit a little bit more well oiled and a little bit better, easier to game plan. So yeah, you would uh, hope. But you're right. Um, they walked into a buzzsaw last night with the defensive front of the Jets, and they didn't. They did not look good in the process. Um, last year, week nine. Josh had turnovers. They lose a three-point decision to the Jets. They come home the next week and play those very Vikings. Uh, 
And we know what happened at the end of that game, too. Those were back-to-back -back losses in what wound up being a three-loss regular season. So <laughs> he said it can't happen again. I hate to say it. It is possible it can happen again because it did last year with back-to-back weeks, 9 and 10. I think they'll get it corrected, and they'll be much better this week, but we'll have to wait and see. We go to Steve in Orchard Park. What do you got, Steve? Hey, guys. How you doing? Okay. We're hanging in there. Yeah. Um, I don't think all of Western New York slept last night. Um, my, uh, just a couple comments. Yep. Uh, I know we're going to play this 12 personnel, but is there, are we really going to play it as much as we did uh, last night? Because, um, you know, I, I, at one point in the game, I, I would have liked to have seen us open it up and, you know, had the Jets defend us with, uh, you know, our other package and, Let's start throwing to our receivers. Sherfield, I don't think, had a catch. Um, you know, Shakir. You know, we got people who have ability, but we got to use them. Um, it's it was definitely Josh's worst game of his career, in my opinion. I don't I don't think I've ever seen him play that bad. And um, I just um, going forward, I I hope that we don't have to see this again. And he kind of fixes things because. Not only did he throw the ball bad, but what do you, what do you, why do you think he constantly takes these hits that he doesn't have to take? It's, it's really mind-boggling to watch. I think, uh, it feels, I think as a football player, you always feel invincible. You don't really feel like you're going to get hurt, and he's probably dishing out as much as he's taken. But you're right. Um, they add up, and sooner or later, uh, it's, it is going to catch up to you. It always does. It, 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 it can't not. Um, you know, when he tries to get out, now the sack we're seeing watching here is the one that he got where he kind of got tangled up with the feet of uh, Spencer Brown and couldn't get out. Uh, that those hits aren't quite as you know as big, but on some of these, you know, he got he got slammed to the ground pretty good on a couple of those, and yeah, I think it's an issue. Uh, it's an issue. Uh, you feel invincible, and the only thing that is the best teacher. And I hate to say it like this, the best teacher that changes your behavior is pain. Or a loss. Uh, pain will always change your behavior. And when it starts hurting him, he'll stop. He'll stop. And the question is, is he going to be, once he stops and decides he's not going to do that anymore, is he going to be good enough to beat you in other ways? The Bills played 63% of their snaps in 12 personnel last night. Last year, the Bills were last in the league in 12 personnel usage at 3.6%. Last night, it rocketed up to 63.2%. Now, I don't think that is going to be the case every week. The reason it was used so heavily last night is because the one vulnerability in the Jets' defense is in the middle of the field at the linebacker level in coverage. So it made sense to use Dalton Kincaid and Dawson Knox in the passing game over the middle. And they used it to some degree. I think as the game wore on, the Jets got wise to that. But they basically went two tight end sets 63% of the game. They went to their 11 personnel 25% of the snaps. That was their number one personnel grouping last year at about a 75% rate. So that dropped 50% in this particular game. Let's see how it plays out over the course of many weeks this season before we pass judgment on it, but I think it's safe to say you are going to see 
two tight end sets to a great degree because I think, as Steve pointed out just in the last segment, Dalton Kincaid is going to be used an awful lot in this offense, and for good reason, because he's going to help this offense. And I think one of the things, too, think about this, too. The last night, I don't know if it'll be 63% the whole season. Like I don't said. think it will be either. Yeah. I think one of the reasons it was 63% last night was they wanted those tight ends in to kind of help with the deep. Yeah, there was a protection front. component to that as well. There was, a, there was just a big body component to get in there and chip before they go out, take a little steam off the edge rushers before they released into the routes or, you know, get them involved in the run game. So – a little bit of that was a jet matchup thing, the 63%. Yeah, I think that, it was that helped largely them. matchup generated. And they kind of walked into that game anticipating that the Jets are going to be really good up front and putting that, that 12 personnel um, at the top of their list. Let's go to Rick in California next. What do you have for us, Rick? Hey, guys. How you guys doing? Thank you so much for taking my call. Sure. We're hanging in there. Um, so, yeah, <laughs> as we all, as we all. Uh, so, my real takeaway from the game, guys, I'm going to go back to what you guys said last season, week uh, week one. is Week one is a liar, you know. Everybody has to get their, you know, their issues out. And I think week one is strictly just a learning curve. I don't believe we'll ever have, we'll have a game like this again this season. Uh, but my real concern really is Josh Allen because depending on the mindset this guy's in, he's either the best guy for our team or the worst guy for our team. So and with all the, uh, the weapons that we knew that we have now on the offense – I don't know why Josh has to go back to hero ball so much when he has all these checkdowns and weapons and ready to go. Because, like, James Cook and Kincaid, those guys were balling out yesterday, and I, I couldn't be more proud of than those guys. So I just don't know why Josh feels like he has to, you know, hurry the ball down the field or, or even take the hits like the last caller was saying. He had many times where he ran for a good yardage, and he could have just slid or ran out of bounds. But, no, he takes the hits. And after watching Rodgers get hurt the way he did, I'm just – I'm really concerned about Josh Allen in the future. Just – you know, my, my dad said it the best. You could take the guy out of the backyard football, but you just can't take the backyard football out of the guy, you know. And Josh just needs to do his job and take the checkdowns. Don't play so much hero ball. And we should be able to win the games like, you know, Tom Brady and, yeah. you know, and uh, Mahomes is doing yeah, that's like the, that. Yeah, so, thanks, thanks for the call, Rick. You're right. That, that's the, and I think that's the frustrating thing for Bills fans today. Uh, they've seen Josh play way better than he did yesterday and not do that. But And the hero ball thing is frustrating. It's really frustrating. And it's a real thing because and there's it a is. pattern to it. Yeah, there is. And plus, you see him, too, taking those shots that he doesn't need to take. And there's for some reason, once in a while, he'll get into a mindset where he's gonna he says, I'm going to win the game on this play. And that's the frustrating part. You, they can't get him out of that. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's the frustrating part about it. Josh gets into those mindsets of hero ball and stays there. A very smart veteran coach once told me the biggest difference between college football and NFL football is college football is about touchdowns. NFL football is about first downs. And that is the differentiation that Josh has to make on a more consistent basis. He has to make the plays that keeps his offense on the field to sustain drives. And then when you get in the red zone, then think about touchdowns. You can't think about ending a drive on a single play at this level on a consistent basis. It's not sustainable. You have to think about first downs, not touchdowns, when you're playing NFL football. That's what Tom Brady thought his entire career, and he wrote it to seven Super Bowl titles 
and what was it, 10 Super Bowl appearances? Mm-hmm. He played a highly efficient brand of football. Joe Burrow adopted it last season, went back to the AFC title game. Patrick Mahomes adopted it last season out of necessity based on the defenses he was seeing it and rode it all the way to the Super Bowl. Josh Allen has to adopt a more highly efficient brand of football and passing game if he wants to cut back on the turnovers. It's as simple as that. Not easy to do, but there is a simple solution here. And look, you can talk about coaching all you want. I can't tell you. I am confident that Ken Dorsey, Joe Brady, Sean McDermott have repeated that message to Josh Allen hundreds of times, hundreds of times. And he's got to, he's got to practice what he preaches. He says, I have to learn from it. I have to be better. I can't make dumb mistakes. That's on him. That's he's throw down he's the, the only guy that can make Josh Allen a more efficient passer and decision maker. That throw down the middle of the field at, at, on the third and eight, the, you know, where he could have run for the first down, he just throws it down the middle. It ended up being a long punt on a third and eight, and Whitehead catches it inside the ten. I mean, Deontay Hardy is not within five right. yards of that. That ball. was, I mean, that was just, you got to be off your rocker to make that throw. Especially with 30 yards of green grass staring, sitting in front of you. Yeah, I mean, it was just, you know, and even the, even the, second, one, the second one, he throws this into the end zone to Steph Diggs. That had no shot either. Now, he ended up on his back on that one. But um, that first throw. Ill-advised. I mean, yeah. It's just, you can't be doing that. On the second one, I, I almost rather have him take the sack and let them punt it. Yeah. Well, you know, Diggs just tries to do a nice job. Did a great being, job trying to be the Trying to be back. the defensive back, but it didn't help. So, that, that's, yeah, we'll see. Uh, yeah, tough, tough spot. I mean, we're we're sitting here. I'm getting quiet because I'm watching yeah, the replay watching. from the all uh, twenty-two. Let, but it's just, uh, and I'm they're this this team is going to win a lot of games this year. I'm telling you, they're going to win a lot of games. Let's they're go to be Dave there at the end, and it's going to be fun to watch. But man, it's not fun on a Monday after a loss like that, or a Tuesday night. even. I guess that's the one positive. We're one day closer to the next game because it's already Tuesday. Yeah, we turned the page a day earlier. Let's go to Dave in Rochester next. What do you got, Dave? Hey, Chris and Steve. Uh, thanks for taking my call. Sure. I just wondered if you guys noticed the last play of the game where they just scored, there was a leg whip tackle, and it was picked up by me and several other people, but I, I don't know why that wasn't reviewed. Or Can you called. tell me who it was that was leg whipped? It was. Uh, I I I think the Quentin Morris. Quentin uh, Morris, yeah, right down the sideline. The guy. I, I thought that was a good no call actually, because what happens is the guy's going to try and block Quentin. He goes high at him, and Quentin jumps over him, and the guy's. You know, he was he, diving at his feet. He, he wasn't diving at his feet. He tried to block him high. Quentin dodged him and threw him to the ground at his own feet and tried to get over him. Uh, I thought that was a good no call. Incidental contact is how you saw it. Yeah, the, the guy tried to block Quentin high, and Quentin jumped up high and pushed him down to try and get over him quick enough to get, make the play, and it, was a, it, was, you know, it didn't work. Um, it looked in the aftermath like there might have been something that illegal, illegally that happened, but it didn't. In my opinion, that was a good no call. Ron so, in North Tonawanda is next. What do you got for us, Ron? Hold on, let me get you here. What do you got for us, Ron? Hi guys, thanks for taking my call. Sure. I know it's a tough. I know it's a tough day for you guys too. 
<laughs> I appreciate that. Well, yeah, that's our job, though. We're if we need to be therapists on a given uh, day after game, we'll do it. Yeah, I'm not. Yeah, exactly. Go ahead. But uh, but all going forward, <clears throat> I really think Allen's taken a step back ever since Stable left, and I don't know if he'll ever get a mindset like a Brady or anybody like that to go, you know, take the short, you know, whatever's there. But my biggest take of the game yesterday, with all the turnovers and everything, and we're going in overtime, why did we take the ball? Why didn't we just kick and put the emphasis on Wilson to move? Even if they got a field goal, we're still going to get the ball back. And we're going against the top defense. And, again, it showed if we don't go to first down, we're going to punt. Well, what, do you think, gonna... what do you think changes? Pardon me? What do you think changes, aside from the fact that the Bills wouldn't have punted? If they kicked away? And yeah. If, what, if, what would have happened if the Bills had kicked the ball to the Jets? I mean, what In overtime. In overtime. What, in, that they wouldn't give up a punt return, theoretically. No, they wouldn't have gave a punt return, but if they're kicking it off and they're kicking the end zone, the Jets get the ball at their own 25. Well, it's going to put emphasis on the Jets' play calling to start moving the ball, and they show they can't move 75 yards. Or a touchdown. So even if they get a field goal, we're still going to get the ball back, rather than right. get the ball back and having our offense go against that defense. Well, show every, that, oh. well here's the, and then the and thing. then what happens if if the Jets, by some rhyme or reason, break off a long run, which had already happened twice in the game, and they score a touchdown, the game's over. You take the ball. If they score a touchdown on their first possession, the game's over. Yeah. So I get it too, and I'll say this: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not it's not the decision that that bothers me. It's the it's what happens after the decision, and you know, giving up a you know a touchdown on a punt return will, will crush you. But if and I see the the logic there too, because the Jet defense is by far the superior side of the ball for their team. Put their work, put their least, you know, put their worst side of the ball. Put Zach Wilson and that offense out there rather than the elite defense. I get that logic. Yeah, but you still, uh, you're still going to have to play. Yeah. Um, and Micah Hyde had gone to the locker room uh, with cramps. I'm assuming he was getting an IV there, so he may not have been available for the start of overtime. So now you're Taylor Rapp and Jordan Poyer back there. Um, I'm not saying that was something that was considered. I, I think more often than not, you're still taking the football because the touchdown ends the game on the first possession in regular season, in overtime. So I think you got to take the ball and yeah. trust that your offense can get you a touchdown and end the game there yeah, without the, the other team even taking the field. Yeah. One we of the things that's happened, we've been, well, we've been talking about this, uh, former Buffalo Bill Jason Peters has signed with the Seahawks. Yeah, they lost their left tackle, Charles Cross, in the first game of the season. 41 years old, and he's going to play left tackle for the Seahawks. He's a good option. He's a Hall of Famer. Uh, Let's go to Rick in Dunkirk next. What do you got for us, Rick? Yeah, hi, guys. Appreciate you taking a call. Sure. Um, It's pretty obvious everybody's uh, whipping on Josh there, but there was a lot of breakdowns on all all the teams, you know. And the the one that I kind of noticed is uh, Tredavious White. Did he forget how to tackle? 
Uh, no, I and, thought he made you know, a great tackle and run support on one play that uh, Garrett the, Wilson and him are on the outside. Garrett Wilson catches a now route, and if Tredavious White doesn't make that tackle, it's an 80-yard touchdown. Yeah, and also on the 80 on the long pass where he came up and he could, I, I thought there was too much space there when when Brees Hall came around the edge there came off the edge, it took Tredavious so long to get up and close that gap. There was just too much space for Hall to get around him, and he couldn't lunge. He couldn't even lunge and get a piece of the guy. So, yeah. um, he might have been lined up too deep to begin that snap, but at the point of attack, yeah, he just couldn't. He couldn't cover that much ground. He crashed he was, down as hard as he, he could. Crashed down pretty fast, but there was just they got caved in down inside so much. There's just so much space there. So here's the other yeah. thing: he's responsible for outside contain. If right. he crashes down too hard. Reese Hall puts his left foot in the ground, cuts it outside. He's down the sideline, and that is a touchdown. Yeah, well, it's the same. He has it's to a, play responsibly it's there. It's at least the same result. He can't sell out. Right. Like, his responsibility with outside contain there, Tredavious White in run support, he can't sell out to go make the tackle because he is the last line of containment on the outside there in the secondary. So in, if he sells out and comes inside and Brees Hall takes a, puts his foot in the ground and goes outside of Tredavious, the play's over. It's a touchdown. Right. End of story. So in, in short, I don't think that Trey's missed tackle was the problem on that play. Right. Uh, they got caved in on the right on the defensive left side, uh, and there was so much space there. Trey had no shot of at keeping contain and making the tackle. Um, they got a great down block on the outside. The the guy that Trey was supposed to be covering comes up and gets to the second level and, and caves it inside. And there's just a ton of space, so they caught the Bills hard on the edge and got the corner, and the corner was like inside the hash mark. So there was, there's just too much space there. To me, Tredavious played it correctly. You force the player back towards where your help is. His help is inside. He has no help outside. If he lets the guy outside, it's a touchdown. It's, the play's over. His job primarily is to force it back towards his help, which is inside, which he did, and Benford is able to recover and make the tackle. And as Steve pointed out earlier, it's a four-point tackle because Benford ultimately makes the play here and tackles him before he gets to the end zone. The defense holds firm, and they force a field goal instead of a touchdown. So Tredavious, in my eyes, played it right. You want to criticize him for not making the tackle? Go ahead. But to me, he executed his assignment. Yeah, if he makes that tackle, it's, it's a pretty outstanding play that kind of would probably go unnoticed because it'd probably be a four-yard run, and here we go. Let's just line up and go again. But, yeah, it was, it was a good play by the Jets, no question about it, but it started up front on the right side of the offensive line, and they, they caved it in so far that you know, made it almost impossible for Trey to get up and cover all that ground, plus keep his responsibilities of contain, contain like Brownie said. Dave in Buffalo is next. What's up, Dave? Hey, what's happening? Hey, I, I just want to say, um, it seems like a lot of people I'm listening to today, they're, uh, they're, this game is like threw them all the way off, but the bottom line is you, you got to have a mindset where it doesn't really matter what your regular season record is to win a Super Bowl. I mean, you can go seven and ten and win a Super Bowl. So we we got to get out of the mindset that oh, this first game we lost, oh, it's panic time. I know it's a cliche to not worry about the first game, but at the same time, especially this team, this seems like the type of team that could go eight and nine and still win the Super Bowl because at any time. You know what I'm saying? They'll just Right. I I think where the frustrations lie, Dave, is this was a game 
for the taking. Aaron Rodgers is out after the fourth play of the game. They're, at, they're on their backup quarterback. You have a top-five defense, which for the most part did its job last night, and your offense just has to probably get to 20 points and you win the game. And it's an offense that averaged 28 last season. Granted, they're going against an all-world defense, so maybe they don't score quite as much. But taking unnecessary risks should not be required. You should just matriculate the ball down the field, take what the defense gives you, and you have an offense that led the league in third-down conversions last year, so you should think they would be efficient enough to win you a game that's been handed to you with a four-time MVP out with an Achilles injury, and they weren't able to do it. That, to me, is what is so galling for Bills fans to stomach today. Yeah, those are the, the missed opportunities are what's the frustrating part about it. It's, it's just like last year in the Miami game in the heat when the Bills have the ball for the game, the whole 42 game. 42 minutes. Yeah. And then in Minnesota, against Minnesota here in this building, when they had two plays that were absolute game enders. Fourth and 18. And a quarterback sneak on their own half-yard line they couldn't execute. And it turns into a touchdown for the Minnesota Vikings that gives them the lead. And then the Bills go down and have to – Force last, overtime. Yeah, to, to force overtime. They go the length of the field and force overtime. And then I mean, in overtime, they've had, they, and then in overtime, the Bills have the ball where a field goal ties it after the Vikings only get a field goal in overtime, a field a goal ties it, he throws a pick in the end zone. Yeah. So, yeah, these, these kind of missed opportunities are what really are frustrating for, for Bills yeah. fans, and, and, and rightfully so. And quickly, once again, we had another caller right before the last one who said, I don't think he's been able to correct his turnover problems. Dable was the only one to do that. Well, Josh Allen's highest interception season was with Brian Dable as his offensive coordinator. 15 picks in 2021. So please just stop with that narrative. Just yeah. end that. Now. That was the year after they emerged in 2020 when they were so good and they got to the AFC championship game and all that. And then the next year he had. A... It's a Josh decision-making Josh... issue. It is not an offensive coordinator issue. Josh. I, I don't know. They say he is. Regr he took a step forward last year. They scored more points. They were better on third down. That, you know, so many better, so many things they did so much better last year, even in the midst of all the turnovers offensively after Dayball had left. Now, I, listen, I like Dayball, a friend of mine, and he's a great coach, and, and he took it on the It's irrelevant. It's, it's irrelevant. not a coordinator issue. It's not an issue. Yes, it's a Josh issue. If whatever issue it is, then I don't think it's catastrophic or and it, it's not fixable, but it's with Josh. No. And I, you know, so we hear this all the time. Every time there's a game like this, which is, you know, virtually every loss last year in the regular season and this one, it's always this coordinator, this coordinator. It was the same way with Dayball. We had the same conversations about Brian. Remember? Yes. We had the same conversation about Brian Dayball. Fire that guy. It's Fire not, him. Fire that guy. It's not a play calling I issue. I mean, golly. And it's not a coaching issue. It's a Josh Allen decision-making <laughs> issue. That Josh has to fix. He's got that's to fix what, it on his own. Listen, that's and if it's and <clears throat> listen, I mean it, the coaches can help. You're but he's still lucky fix it. because with a player like Josh, you think, well, he's got this issue with turnovers and all, that, and it and it is an issue. I get it, and it you, turnovers are crushers. It's the one stat besides the score that determines just drives everybody crazy, right? But if you're not Josh Allen, there are quarterbacks out there with bigger issues that are more wide-ranging than the guy you got. I mean, they can't, they can't run an offense. They can't make throws. They can't 
make something out of nothing. They yeah. got all the they got. I mean, but it's frustrating for fans it's because I think they I know if Josh could just cut back on the turnovers, he might be the best quarterback in football. That's what's so troubling for Bills fans right now. Well, he, and he, I get it. They do have, and I've said it a ton. They the Bills have, and to I think Don, Dave, I think maybe or maybe it was Rick. The Bills do have a big engine. When they get revved and Josh starts humming and they ain't turning it over, you ain't beating them. Nobody's beating them. And so if they do squeeze, if they do get in with a 9-8 and eight record into the playoffs and a wild card team, believe me, they got the engine to go the distance. But it's frustrating to see them do it to themselves. Yeah. More of your phone calls when we come back. We're still also waiting on Sean McDermott addressing the media this afternoon, which we'll also bring to you when it happens here on One Bills Live. Stay tuned. Time for Around the Locker Room, presented by Connect Life, your blood and organ donor network. And we begin with head coach Sean McDermott when he was asked about whether he worries about Josh Allen's confidence following his performance against the Jets. Yeah, I mean, everyone, everyone um, mentally is up and down. It's, like I said, the journey of a season. So um, he's just, I mean, he's an, he's an extremely competitive young man that, that wants to be the best. And, um, and so um, he's just got to use what he has around him and and um and I, I thought the drive at the end was phenomenal right and the end of, end of regulation there was phenomenal i mean with with uh, just the rhythm we were in um, the throws he made um i thought the protection was pretty good as well and and um, i mean i thought that was a heck of a drive to go tie the game and then t, t bass made a great kick um so that's what he's capable of and um you know now it's just about getting everybody back in the right spot Mitch Morse uh, was asked in the locker room to address the team's recent struggles against what has been a top-flight Jets defense. I think not only do they have the personnel, but they, uh, they execute their game plan extremely well. They play with the tenacity, and they know what they're doing, and they did well. So for us, it's just uh, moving on to the next week, knowing that um, – you know, we'll have an opportunity to play them again and then hopefully uh, make those adjustments. But right now we're focusing on the How much week. does it feel like needs to be adjusted? I know you have to look at film and go through I don't that. Know. I'll, I'll look at it and we'll see. I can't answer that right now. I don't think it's fair for anyone. Josh Allen obviously was dejected uh, over his own personal performance in the Monday night game with, you know, three interceptions and the lost fumble. He discussed the offensive struggles and his turnovers against the Jets Monday night. Yeah, I mean, mindset-wise, just trusting what I see and sticking with it and not trying to force anything. And um, It's a good defense we played, but, you know, we can't play two guys. Can't play them and us, and I played us tonight. And yeah. It's not like I'm going out there and, and trying, to, trying to throw interceptions. Um, yeah, I guess we'll we'll find out on tape and try to correct it and got to correct it fast. We got a short week and can't let this, uh, this game turn into two. And then finally, Dawson Knox was asked about, you know, where Josh Allen's psyche is at after a performance like this. He's a tight 
and very close friend on this roster of Josh Allen. So here is Dawson Knox's take on that. It's never on one person. I mean, that's what great leaders do is take it upon himself. And um, he knows there's things we all got to work on, but it's never just on one person. It's never just on him. But that's kind of the nature of this business. You know, big wins, he'll get the credit, and big losses, he'll take the credit also. But um, a lot of things that we all can work on. So it's the first game. We're, you know, we're going to get the film. We're going to get corrections. We'll be back. And that's kind of what we've said most of the day today. Sean McDermott is probably expert level at course correcting his football team after a down performance and on a short week I think this team will welcome that <laughs> that yeah you know I, one day less to wait to get I back wanna, on the field and make things right I mean certainly um I don't want to sit here nonchalant this like ah they're going to recover is that all is going to be all right is, you know because you really because it's concerning when you play like that yeah. um and you you kind of tear your mindset like Josh you tear your mindset apart like how did I get to that point what was I thinking here how did I get to that and what happened before that that led up to yeah. that so that I can think of that about that differently all of that's going on and they've got some work to do uh, this is this is a team that takes all of that stuff seriously um, sports psychology mindset uh, preparation the lead up to the game plan the whole thing yeah. So they're going to they're gonna attack this uh, on all fronts. And, and as easy as it is for us out here to say, ah, they're going to fix that. They're working hard. they got to work hard at it. And I say that as a, as a former player, I know the attitude of these guys going in there. They're looking each other in the eye going, hey, we ain't, ha that ain't, doing, we ain't doing that again. And they're serious about it. You know, Steph Dig you know Josh is looking Steph Diggs in the, in the eye saying, listen, I ain't doing that anymore. You know, and you're going to help me. And, you know, they're in it together. So yeah. – Players like that, all play, all the way. Across, it's not just those two, but players all the way across the roster looking at each other, going, "Let's go," and uh, fix it. And so that you can bet that they are attacking it all hands on deck, as well as the coaching staff. So it's it's easy for us to say, "Ah, oh, they're going to fix that." I mean, yeah, well, you can bet um, that they take it very seriously, and that they're taking steps towards doing it. Now, there's no guarantees, and the team they're playing this week presents its own problems, let yep. alone the Jets' problems. So and they're riding high after a one-point win over their division rival Broncos. So they've got to they got to strap it on and get ready to play. But the players and the coaches, I've said this a lot, and people get tired of me saying it, have it better than we do out here in the fan world, because they're working towards the next one. They're thinking about the next one. We're going to say we're going to do this. We're they're working tangibly. Yeah. All we're doing is setting our menu for the tailgate, right? I mean, we we yeah. got to wait. Right? I we're just while we lament the shortcomings we lament, of the last. Game. That's right. We can't. We we're trying to you know we're trying to fix our you know our tailgate rather than the game. Yeah. Uh, we don't have any control over it. The players and the coaches can get past the bad feelings about this yes last night's game mm -hmm. because they're working on it and they're working towards something and they know they can affect it. All of us out here just kind of got to stew about it and see what the results are going to be. Let's go to Bill in Virginia next who's been waiting patiently. What do you got, Bill? Hey, how you doing today? Doing well. Yeah, I just left Buffalo this morning at 5 o'clock and I'm almost home, so thanks for taking my call. Sure. Um, just wanted to talk to, you know, Josh has been getting ragged on all day, and I'll tell you, he's the quarterback I wanted out of that draft, and I'm still glad we got him on our team. But some of the low-hanging fruit seems to be Dable left, so he's dropped off. Dorsey's not doing a good job. I don't know if any of that's true. I'm not in the locker room. But what I, my question is, when he really started making strides, 
he was working with um, Jordan Palmer in the offseason. You know if he's still doing that? Yes. Yeah, they he do. He still works with him. He does. Works on throwing okay. mechanics and all of that stuff. Okay. Well, good. Because, uh, like I say, he'll be fine. They'll be fine. So, anyway, thanks for taking my call. All you right. Bet. Thanks, Bill. Safe travels to yeah, you. Yeah, and, and, and that's the thing, too. You get – you think about it. Every offseason is a little different. Because, and particularly for a guy like Josh, think of how vastly different his off seasons have been, have become. Because instead of working on his footwork and his, he's working on some more minutiae of more minute, minute details of his game because he's come so far. Right. And it's a different way of thinking about the game when you're working on, you know, Whatever he's working on, I, don't, I can't even remember what we talked. We had Jordan Palmer on, and they're working on all kinds of different stuff now that they didn't have to work on three years ago, four years ago, well, yeah. or two years ago. A lot of the boulders are taken care of, now. right? Now they're so, working on the pebbles. So it's you know it's it's different. And uh, we said this too when we had Jordan Palmer on. For casual fans, and certainly we can make fun of this now as I say this today because of the game they just played last night and the way it went. It's going to be harder for fans to pick apart what he has gotten better at because it's going to be within the X's and O's and the confines of an offense and the decision-making of a, of a quarterback and mm-hmm. discerning defenses and some of the thought processes that it goes through. It's going to be harder for fans, casual fans to pick up on any improvements that Josh has made. And I say that knowing that it's, you know, it's kind of a punchline, like, well, yeah, he didn't improve last night, right? But I, I think it's going to be harder for us to pick up on what he has been working on because it's going to be hidden in the folds of the details yeah. rather than the big boulders of getting his feet right and making the you know the, all that stuff. So, uh, yes, he does still work with Jordan Palmer, and he still continues to work on his game very hard in the offseason. And it's on a day like today, it's easy to make fun of that. Break time for us. More of your phone calls when we return here on a Buffalo football Tuesday. One Bills Live presented by Collider Health. It's Buffalo Bills Radio. These walls could talk. Story from the Buffalo Bills sideline, locker room, and press box, written by longtime play-by-play man John Murphy. Get your copy now. And to launch the new book, there will be a signing event at the Bills store between 3 and 5 p.m. on Saturday, September 16th. That's this Saturday, the day before the home opener. In addition to John, the team's longtime radio play-by-play man, former Bills Pro Bowl center and current color analyst Eric Wood will be there, along with Scott Petoniak, the co-author. Books purchased that day will be autographed by all three at the Bill Store Saturday, 3 to 5 p.m. Got to get back to the phones, and we go to Bill in Dunkirk next. What do you got for us, Bill? Well, I got a whole different approach to this. I think the Bills are great. The fans are great. The coaching is great. But I think they lost what we would call the, the PR war here. We're walking into New York on 9-11. We're walking into New York when they supposedly have the best quarterback in football. They made all these draft choices. And here we have Hamlin in street clothes on the sideline. He should have been the guy running out of there in the field first. He should have been the coin toss. He should have been waving those people on, getting the Bills fans that were there even more motivated. If he went outside, if he went on the field to, to play, I know he's not the best player in his group, but if he went on the field to play, the country would have stood up. 
come on, guys. Half the country wants to adopt this guy. I mean, we lost the PR war here. That's what I believe. We could have an opportunity to take the wind out of the jet sails, and we didn't do it. That's my thought on the game. All right, Bill. Uh, I, uh, I got you, Bill. And uh, I, I kind of disagree, respectfully. Uh, DeMar, I, and I'm, I'm as affectionate, have many warm and fuzzy feelings about DeMar and his, and his um, recovery as anybody. Uh, I'm kind of glad that the Bills didn't try and upstage a remembrance of 9-11 yeah. with, a, with a cheap sideshow, so to speak. Not that DeMar would be that, but you know what I mean. I'm exaggerating to make a point. I don't think he needed to distract from – one thing to promote another or just to gamesmanship your way into a PR war. Uh, I think that's not part of your game plan. I think you, I think you stand back and you give the remembrance of nine 11, all that it deserves and don't go there. And for what it's worth, DeMar Hamlin was on the sideline trying to egg on bills fans in the stands behind the bills bench. I watched him do it. Um, that, that was not going to be the difference in this football game, plain and simple. And, and if you believe you need to use that to make a difference in a football game, then you don't have the right guys on your roster. That's just the way I'm – that's where I'm coming from on that. So, as Steve right. said, uh, I'm, I'll second it. I respectfully disagree with your take on that. To Bill in Toronto next. What do you got, Bill? Oh, hi, guys. Um, I, I just want to I, I want to agree with Steve, as he was saying earlier on, that uh, they're going to win a lot of games. And there's no doubt we are going to win a lot of games. Uh, we do it, you know, we do it every year. And, and that's great. But the problem is, this is one of those games that at the end of the year, we look back on. And there's usually one, maybe even two, that we had in our grasp. And it's the reason we're going into some hostile environment in the second or third round or whatever it may be at a disadvantage when we could have the advantage. Yeah. And when there's 17 games in a season, as opposed to 82 in the other two of the others and 162 in the other one, sure. that makes a huge difference. Not to mention it was a divisional game, not to mention Miami now has two shots to beat the Roger list Rogers list jets. Um, and last year, as early as last year, we hosted Miami, as you recall, with a third-string quarterback playing, and we barely got out of it in our own park. So if Tua stays healthy this year and Miami keeps winning like they probably should in general, we may be faced with going into their park when games like this kill us, essentially. Well, You've got to do it in Week 18 this year in the regular season before you even get to the playoffs. So your point's well taken, yeah, Bill. Yeah, that's true. Your point's well taken, and yeah, the conference race starts yeah. now. And you're right. And if you if you do the math, these you know if it was an, a hockey team, these games all count like for four games, you know, in a hockey season, yeah. right? Uh, so yeah, you're right. Uh, when it comes down to the in, to the seeding, uh, it does make a difference whether you're home or away. Bills, you know, the Bills are winning a playoff game every year. Problem is they're also losing one, and. The ones they lose are the ones they have to go on the road to play, and it's always it always seems to be in Kansas City. But yeah, that's you're right. The race that is, is started. That is the ramification. The, the race, race the race, race is, is on. We have to take a break here because when we come back, hour number three will begin 
With our weekly visitor on Tuesdays, ESPN NFL analyst and former NFL quarterback Dan Orlovsky. He's going to break down the X's and O's for us and what came to pass in terms of the offensive approach for the Bills, the defensive approach for the Bills, and how things changed after Aaron Rodgers left the football game. He's next on One Bills Live. Live, presented by Kaleida Health. All right, welcome to hour number three as we welcome in our weekly visitor on Tuesdays, ESPN NFL analyst, former NFL quarterback Dan Orlovsky, to put him through the painstaking paces of pulling through this Monday night affair between the Bills and the Jets. Dan Orlovsky's segment brought to you by Ellicott Hotels. Fans, round up your family, friends, or coworkers for a fantastic game day experience at 500 Pearl. Reserve your pack and book your group event today at 500pearlbuffalo.com. Dan, I imagine you're doing better than a lot of Bills fans this morning. Um, I am going to run by you. Some of the statistics that we rattled off earlier today, because turnovers largely told the tale last night. Josh Allen, 29 interceptions over the last two seasons are the most in the NFL. His 19 total giveaways last year led the NFL. Going into the game, Josh Allen had seven career interceptions against the Jets, tied for the most against any opponent with New England. Now, in basically, let me see, two, four, six, in eight career games against the Jets, Nine touchdown passes, ten picks, seven lost fumbles. Those are tough to hear. <laughs> Those are tough to hear if you're a Bills fan. Um, all right, so I'll start with just last night more so than the overall, you know, because I think they're all connected. Um, watching Josh last night, is my note is it's almost like watching an adrenaline junkie. For, for some reason, you just can't help yourself. And it's different because, you know, so often quarterbacks, I'd say they, they turn the football over. They, they, they throw interceptions, I think, for two reasons, mainly. Number one, that they have to make decisions before they're ready to. You know, like you're in the pocket, the rush comes to you, and all of a sudden, like, you have to release the football to a guy that's not open and you know you're trying to guess where he's going to be or feel where he's going to be that wasn't the case the second thing is you're getting confused by coverage that oh man I, I thought the guy did this and he did this and that again wasn't the case Josh's case and the one that you're watching now I believe that's the first one yes yes that's third down and six or third down and eight I want to say it was he breaks contain and there's really two things to do with the football. Either throw it to Dawson Knox or go run one-on-one with the safety. This one, the one that I think down the middle of the field with Steph, it is so obvious that there are two safeties. Both the safeties turn. They have, they're have 10 yards deeper than Steph, and they both have vision on Josh and Steph. Looking inside, There, there's no way that Josh – Josh should make that throw, but he, for some reason, and, and this is, 
kind of the overall point that I feel like he gets in many ways. He gets like this. A lot of times that coverage is very easy for Josh to see. It is cover six. He sees that coverage on a consistent basis. The jets earned a ton. I think the, the, the overall like thought with Josh, when it comes to some teams, not all, but certainly the jets is the jets make everything hard on every play everything they very rarely give you real completions they'll sometimes give you a two-yarder they very rarely give you completions and I think what happens with Josh is since he's so competitive he's like oh you're you're gonna make me make hard plays you're gonna make me make tough plays watch how great I am see how great I am because I can and while the competitiveness is such a benefit and it makes him the special player that he is it holds him back this play, for example, the, the 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 corner route, the high low to Gabe Davis, there's no completion there. There, there is no completion there. Now, I hate running this concept to the field where there's a ton of space because I think the safety has so much ability to play over the top. There is no completion there. But for some reason, he gets into this mode where I'm going to get the completion because I'm so great. And that's 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 really frustrating to watch that talented of a player do it consistently. Yeah. And that's, and that's kind of where you sit. And this is really the first opening day in a minute, uh, maybe in 2021 when they lost to the Steelers, but this is the first opening day in a minute where we've seen Josh not play better than the last time we've seen him play, you know, where he comes out like, like last yeah. year they came out and hit it like gangbusters and he got off to a great stuff. Even in 2020, they came out and they started hitting it almost right away. Um, and, it seemed more of a mindset, like you're saying, it seems more of a mindset problem with Josh than a coverage or an inability to read defenses or uh, bad offensive play calling. Just uh, one thing after another, you know, that all the things that we, that we attribute to poor offense. This seems more of a mindset in Josh rather than any of the other stuff. It's not a will to. It's not a want to. It's not an intellect. It's not a care. It is very, and we we saw this, so it's 2023. We saw it in 2020 with Patrick. We saw it a little bit in 21 with Josh. Is they, these highly talented, and I would say they're two probably the most physically talented guys in the league. Um, when you don't allow their talent to kind of be the storyline or kind of on display, that's when that, am I getting the competitiveness comes up or is it the frustration level that rises guys? I counted. So, so I counted seven times last night where I, I phrased Josh as out of control, seven snaps where I have him out of control. What I mean by that is feet all over the place, leaving the pocket when there's absolutely no reason to leave the pocket uh, running when there's no need to run eyes going right, left, right, or left, right, left, or all looking at the run or the rush, excuse me, and trying to go and take off as a runner. He's too great a player and he's played too much for seven snaps in game one to look like that. Um, two things I would say. One, I, 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 I'm not going to sit here and say that Ken Dorsey was Bill Walsh. I'm also not going to sit here and say that Ken Dorsey was atrocious. When, when you're playing on the road against a team that no question has an advantage over you on the line of scrimmage, and the Jets absolutely do, there has to be more than shotgun pass. There has to be. There has to be more of under center, run the football, under center, play action, a little bit more of a commitment to 
protection in those play actions, more screens that to get the ball to the perimeter. And so I, I would really like to see Ken Dorsey bring that into this offense. Um, and, and, you know, just if I was Ken and Joe Brady there, I think you got to sit down with Josh and just say, Hey, we have to grow up. And this is not a disrespectful thing. I love Josh Allen. I, and I love him. I'm such a fan of his as a player and a person. We have to grow up. Um, you know, Gary Kubiak said this to me, <clears throat> like my fifth year in the NFL. I'm ne nowhere near the Josh, the player Josh was. But I threw an interception in practice, and he called me over, and he was like, hey, man. And he's like, at some point, you got to realize you don't hold your job in your hands when you've got the ball. You hold everyone's everyone's jobs and everyone's futures and everyone's hopes are in your hands. And Josh lost sight of that a little bit. I feel and certainly the play kind of says that. And I think that someone's got to sit down and look him in the eye and be like, Hey man, we got to grow up when it comes to this, because the moment Aaron goes down, there's only one way they lose that game. And he can't be the reason why they lose that game. All right. So let me, let me discuss this on a more widespread scale because we saw Patrick Mahomes adjust his approach to the Chiefs passing game when he's facing nothing but cover two shells or versions of that yep. and has to go yep. to a short, efficient passing game. He rides it all the way to the Super Bowl after losing his best deep passing weapon in Tyreek Hill last year. Joe Burrow is tired of getting sacked 60 times in a season. He goes to a quick-release pass game with Zach Taylor, gets the ball out of his hands in two and a half seconds, takes that all the way to the AFC title game. Um, we watch Tom Brady win seven Super Bowls and go to 10, going with a high-efficiency passing game. I had an old offensive coordinator once tell me, college football is about touchdowns. The NFL is about first downs. Can Josh, do you believe, get to a place where he can accept being a high-efficiency quarterback and not a highlight-reel quarterback? 100%. We've seen it. We saw it on the back half of 20 – maybe it was 20 to 21. Right after Patrick experienced it, and I apologize, I don't remember the exact year, because Patrick did it the year saw it the year before, and then Josh saw it, and both of them course-corrected. We've seen Josh do it. And, and, and it's – you know, I don't want to speak out both sides of my mouth here either, Chris, because, you know, part of me goes, Josh Allen isn't this dink and dunk quarterback. No. There's no point in having six for five, 250 pound, absolute cannon arm. But part of it is this, and this is where this has to be like this group, this quarterback room, offensive room effort. Can Josh do it? Yes, he's done it before. How does Josh do it with also not making him something that he should not become? And it's the play call, it's the play design, it's the, hey, Josh, when we call this group of plays, and I, I almost think, like, they have to get a section on their call sheet that becomes the get Josh settled down section, you know, where sometimes coaches have these, hey, we're going to get, you know, we, we would have it where we're going to get Andre Johnson the football, we're going to get Calvin Johnson the football. These are plays where you get into the middle of the second quarter, that guy doesn't have a catch, we call this play to get him to catch. It's almost like they have to have this section for Josh of just get Josh back and settled in. And it's this, it's this understanding of, Hey, defenses are going to play us this certain way more than likely Josh. When we call these plays, 
The ball's getting out. We want the completion. It's boring. You got to get us the second yeah, and gotta six. Got to have it. You got to get us. We we're just calling this. And guess what, Josh? I could complete this ball. And 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 I know you can do more. I but this is for the team, because then that what it does is, hey, Josh, when we call these plays, let's take our shots. If if we got a chance, let's take our shots. Now, what needs to happen is when Josh has that shot play or that chance, coach calls it and he doesn't win. The defense wins the rep. Josh has got to do the right thing with the ball, turn to the sideline and be like, call it again. I did the right thing. You got to trust me. Call it again. And I think, again, that's where it's got lost a little bit. Can Josh be that? Absolutely. It's not just Josh by himself. It has to be a very much so collaboration. One of the things we noticed in the regular season last year were the, the three losses that the Bills took were a lot like this loss, where they helped their opponent beat them. Uh, we saw this also Thursday night in Kansas City, where the, where the Chiefs kind of did all they could to help the, the Detroit Lions win. So the Chiefs, the Bills, and then, of course, it's a different game, but the Cincinnati Bengals got thumped by Cleveland. So you got the Bills, Cincinnati, Kansas City, three top teams in a conference that were supposed to be contenders. Yeah. All of them took it on the chin. Did you make anything about that? No. You know, Steve, I'd say this. I've said this. I don't think we can judge Buffalo and, and kind of who they are until Vaughn comes back. You know, I, I would say the same thing I've said about Kansas City as well. Until Chris comes back, and it, obviously Chris Jones redoing his deal last night, it's it's not fair to judge those teams because if Quinn and Williams wasn't playing for the Jets, we wouldn't judge them. You know, we would have an asterisk next to that. So I, I want to see who Buffalo is in totality. Let me say something about the, the defense real quick, guys. And Sean McDermott, highest amount of respect in the world. There's no way that they can continue to think that they can play with that little size-wise in that second level of their defense, and it's going to be okay. The Jets ran for buck seventy-two. The Jets got on thirteen personnel, one back, three tight ends, and the defense in the second level, meaning behind the defensive line, was two twenty-three, two twenty-four, and two hundred eight. Football is a math game in many ways. Big people push on little people, and I, I, I really think that they got to figure that out because teams are only going to try to replicate that. Um, Cincinnati with Joe and the injuries, their offensive line got absolutely whooped. Um, whether Joe not playing, I, I give them a little grace as well. Yeah. Right. Uh, Dan, we saw, and we talked to you about this last week, the Bills went to 12 personnel as anticipated, but they went to it 63% of their snaps. We told you last week the Bills only used 12 personnel on 3% of their snaps last year, lowest in the league. We all expected an increase. That is a sharp spike. I realize it's only one week, and part of it's probably game plan related, knowing they were probably going to try to look at the middle of the field as, as a place to attack in one of the few areas they felt they could exploit against this Jets defense. What was yeah. your assessment of their 12 personnel usage and execution last night? So not really surprised that they went to it a lot. Uh, I think it not only is a beneficial thing for them, it puts probably inarguably their best 11 players on the field on offense. Um, I, I didn't see enough of it when it came to the kind of the variance of their run game in, 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 in it. I also think the two things I want to see more when they get into it and hopefully they get more, do it more is, when they're in 12, I want to see Josh under center more. I feel like I've said that for a year. I, I want to see this. I want to see this offensive line be given the opportunity to fire off the football. 
and you know not have the RPO called or not be in the gun and read the line of scrimmage. Like sometimes get those tight end wings together. We're going to fire off the ball. We're trying to get four or five yards offensive line, push them. I think the mentality of that is going to be a little bit better as it goes or hopefully. And then I want to see that them kind of use the, the tight ends a little bit more on the perimeter and get a little bit more of the skill players on the inside and build pass concepts in that capacity rather than placing them in traditional kind of positions. So I think that they should be on the field a ton. I just want to see them be used a little bit in a um, run game wise, more traditional way, pass game, non-traditional way. All right. Last one for me, Dan, um, last night, you know, we, we had the 9-11 commemoration. Um, the game gets going. It's an absolutely electric atmosphere. And four plays in, Aaron goes down. Uh, as a quarterback, you, I mean, you've seen it. We've seen injuries. Uh, and the Jets end up winning the game anyway in a shocking fashion. But what does this mean, do you think, for the Jets, Zach Wilson, Robert Sala, the whole thing, um, having the kind of offseason that the Jets did and four plays in having this happen? It's the worst case scenario for the Jets, for football, for the NFL. It sucks. Um, what it means for the Jets is their season over. No, they're, they're, you know, they were an eight win team last year with, with Zach Wilson. So the season's not over. No. Can I sit here and tell people that I think that they're an unquestioned Super Bowl contender? Absolutely not. There's no evidence that Zach Wilson can go be that person. I hear all these names all morning get tossed around. The Jets need to go do this, 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 and this. They're not beating Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes and Joe Burrow and Lamar and Justin Herbert with Jacoby Brissett or Ryan Tannehill or Nick Foles. While those guys are good players. So I sit there and I go, if I'm the Jets, really, do I add a guy, of course, for depth and respect out of the football team and the, the right thing to do? But I'm not going to get a guy and trying to sit there and go, you're going to be the starter. Zach, you're not the guy. My my hope, Zach has learned a little bit, and Zach becomes the guy that we drafted number two overall. Do I? Am I banking on that? No. Do I still think they can make the playoffs? Yes. Last one for me, Dan. Uh, let's just take a look ahead at the Raiders, who come off an inspiring one-point victory over their division rival Denver Broncos. What should Bills fans expect from a Raiders team you know, that has Josh Jacobs back in the fold, but Chandler Jones is still a little bit AWOL here. I realize Max Crosby yeah. is a major factor up front, but just maybe an overview of Las Vegas. Yeah, so de defensively, you, you know, the Bills, again, this, this will go back to kind of my point of how they're playing so much nickel or their three safety packages with Taylor Rapp. The Bills get into, or excuse me, the Raiders, they play a lot of 21 personnel, two back, one tight end. It's not like San Francisco or what we kind of saw in the Dolphins. They're not doing it to throw. They're playing traditional smash mouth football with their fullback. And if they're going to play in so much nickel or three safety, my concern is that the Raiders will be successful running the football. So I, I want to see how the, the bills will adjust to that defensively. Jacoby Myers, because you're paying so much attention to Devante, the Devante Adams connection still, it didn't show up in week one with Jimmy Garoppolo that much, but his feel for Jacoby Myers and their past. Um, and also the attention that, you're going to have to pay a player like Devontae because Jacoby's a very fine route runner. So if he plays health-wise, we'll find out. Um, I think Denver offensively, 
I would say this, Josh is going to have to be aggressive with the football downfield. Um, Russell Wilson wasn't. There's throws there that he can go be aggressive with. I think the more that they can um, like layer concepts, meaning you got a guy deep, a guy short or intermediate and a guy short in half of the field, you're going to have some success against that Raiders defense. So I would expect a little bit more chunk completions in their passing game and really just pay attention to see if there's any defensive adjustment in that run game. Dan, thanks as always for the insight. We appreciate it. We'll catch up with you next week. Thanks, guys. All right, that's Dan Orlovsky, ESPN NFL analyst, former NFL QB, helping us out with that. Uh, We are going to take a break here because when we come back, we're going to bring you head coach Sean McDermott, who is addressing the media uh, here the day after the overtime loss to the Jets next on One Bills Live, presented by Collider Health. It's Buffalo Bills Radio. The Buffalo Bills and Ad Pro Sports are teaming up to award varsity head football coaches with the Coach of the Week Award. Week two winners in the Buffalo region, Section 6. It's Chuck Nagel of New Fane High School. On Friday, Nagel's team won their game against Barker Royalton Heartland. 43-11 to go 2-0 on the season. The win marked the first time Newfane started a season 2-0 since 2003. In Section 5, the Rochester region, Coach of the Week is Ismael Izzy-Mare after he coached the Hornell Red Raiders to a win over Penyan Academy on Saturday. The Red Raiders are now off to a 2-0 start after coming back in the second half to take home the win. Each Coach of the Week winner will receive a $1,000 grant from the Buffalo Bills and add pro sports. Speaking of coaches, we go to the Bills head coach, Sean McDermott, who's addressing the media the day after the overtime loss to the Jets. What do you think were some bright moments of of yesterday, and what are some areas you think you need to improve going into week two? Well, I just think overall, I think we, you know, defensively um, gave up a big run in there um, or two, and you know, we need to do a better job at the point of attack and, and, and with our tackling as well. And then just, you know, I think offensively, you know, just getting into a little bit better of a rhythm uh, offensively. And, and we've talked about the turnovers already. And and so the special teams, obviously, the, the, the coverage at the end of the game uh, wasn't good enough there in, in, the, in the kicking game. So um, plenty to work on, plenty of adjustments to be made. And, and uh that's why they call us coaches here. So we're here to develop players and a team. Absolutely, Coach. Like always, thank you for your time. Yeah, hey, Coach, you mentioned giving up a, a couple long runs there against the Jets last night. The Raiders have a good running back in Josh Jacobs. So just evaluating the film from yesterday, what do you need to see out of the defense here going into to week two, specifically looking at that run defense? Yeah, um, you know, physicality at the point of attack, I think, is, is important for us as we continue to take, try and take another step here this week as we move forward, Maddie, and um, use of our hands to get off blocks and defeat blocks and, and then tackling overall. I think that's going to be important as we continue to move throughout the season here. And then I know it's early. I know you're probably uh, closing the chapter on week one, but looking forward to the Raiders game. What do you know about that team so far? New quarterback in Jimmy G, of course. Yeah, um, talented football team. Um, you know the coordinator or the head coach, really, in this case, uh, as, as the ex-coordinator of the Patriots. And um, so Josh McDaniels uh, has a history of going against the Bills and uh, and us against him and his offensive system. He does a great job, extremely smart, uh, does a great job game planning. So um, 
along with the players that they have with Jacobs and, and uh, Adams and they're talented. And, and they added uh, uh, the receiver that they got from the Patriots this offseason, uh, Myers, and he's a heck of a football player as well. So they've got a pretty talented offensive football team. Thanks, Coach. Sure. Good afternoon, Sean. Um, you know, Josh, he's had so much success in this league. I'm wondering from a coach's perspective, what are the challenges as you kind of go through this season and you have a game like this and you have to talk to him about something that he's been talking about himself, like making smart decisions. How challenging are those conversations, knowing how much he's done and then trying to kind of hone in on the details of something so specific that he kind of took ownership of yesterday? Yeah, he's great uh, with that uh, in terms of taking taking ownership. Um, you know, it's, it is something that he has had spoken about previous to the regular season being kicked off. And, and then sometimes we're not able to take from, you know, what we want to do to what we really do to what we do in the moment. And, but those are learning opportunities as well. So, um, that's what we're trying to, to solve moving forward is, is, um, making sure that, um, we find ways to win. Um, and it's hard when you do turn the ball over. Um, it's, it's, uh, it gets harder and harder to win when you do that. So, um, but Josh is, um, he's very upfront about it, as you know, and, um, he wants to get it corrected and it's important to him. With, um, Ken yesterday, what was your evaluation on, you know, how he called that game and a secondary part of that, how have you seen his relationship with Josh Allen grow as a, as an offensive coordinator from when he was the quarterback's coach. With him. Yeah. Different, different dynamic, uh, still a good relationship. Um, when you're the coordinator, it's a little different than when you're in the, in the position room as a quarterback's coach, uh, every day, um, um, Doris is in there. Uh, Ken is, but, um, not as much obviously as Joe is at this point. So, um, I thought Ken did some really good things um, yesterday, and um, and then I'm, like anything, there's plays that, that you want back as a play caller, and, and uh, you, know, you want to put him in a little bit better position, perhaps moving forward. So um, he would tell you that, you know. Um, but overall, um, we're looking to take another step this week on offense. Hey, Sean. Sure. Yeah, hey, Sean, Alex Brasky, Batavia Daily News. After some of these turnovers, when Sean goes to the sideline and has discussions with whoever he's having these discussions with, do you feel like those discussions have been effective in helping him reset after some of those turnovers and move forward from those? Yeah, I think you mentioned Sean, but uh, you meant Josh. I, I, yeah, my apologies. Um, well, it's been a, been a long night and morning for all of us, I'm sure. I hear you. No, I hear you. I can relate, buddy. I can relate. Um, no, it's, um, you know, when you're in the moment, when you're playing a game, you know, you, you want to be able to reset. That, that That's powerful. It's a powerful tool. And, um, you know, you want, to, you want to make sure that the player, in this case, Josh, is able to reset and, and we're staying positive, yet at the same time, making sure we're making that, that adjustment that we need to make. And, and I think that's one of the hardest pieces when there's multiple well, there's one, you know, you can, you know, kind of digest that a little bit because things happen, right? When, they, when it becomes multiple, that's when, that's when it's, it's, uh, it's a hard pill to swallow. Um, because as we know that when the disparity in, in, in the 
turnover ratio gets out of whack, it, it's again really hard to win football games. So, um, you know, it's really just about um, taking that negative situation, trying to trying to learn from it, and then quickly turning turning it back into a positive and getting your mind back uh, to play winning football. Oh, I asked you about the punt yesterday. Now that you've had a chance to watch the play. What were your takeaways from that play? Did you like the direction of the kick? And, and what were your takeaways from the coverage? Yeah, just all in all, not a good enough, not good enough execution uh, by our coverage team there and, and our punt, our, our kicking game overall, really. Um, you know, and, and so anytime you kick one down the middle of the field, um, it's not a good thing because obviously there's there's uh, multiple ways that, that, that they could go with it. So. As I mentioned last night, you want to, you'd like to pin them uh, on or near the numbers or, or even closer to the sideline than that. And, and uh, unfortunately, <clears throat> it's, there was a lot of hands in that. It's never just, <clears throat> excuse me, one person uh, could have had a better snap, punt, and then obviously the coverage as well. So uh, got to do a better job there for sure moving forward. Sorry to monopolize your time. How did you feel about the performance from the offensive line, specifically Spencer Brown at right tackle? Uh, I think he won some, and I think he, you know, they, they got him some a, a, as well. And, and um, you know, I, I thought he played hard. He really did. I thought he did some good things for us. Um, it's a tough defensive line to go against. Um, but there were some times where, um, in particular, the one that stood out just, you know, towards the end of the game there in regulation with the guy, uh, the right end was coming around the edge a little bit on him. And, um, so it's just, you know, Spence, I thought, improved on, on some things he wanted to improve on and, and we're looking for him to continue to improve as we move through the year. All right. Thanks for your time. Yep. Hey, Sean, it's Jay with the Buffalo news. I'm sorry if you might've been asked this, I may have joined a question late, but uh, was there any consideration to taking one of the penalties and setting up third and 23? And um, if so, uh, what made you decide not to do that? Yeah, we had one, I think if we're referring, if we're thinking about the same one, um, high red zone, maybe. Uh, is that the one you're referring to, Jay? It was, well, it was a play where they actually had two penalties on them and you you yeah. declined both. Uh, it, it would have yeah. been, I think, third and 23 uh, as opposed to fourth and 13. And then I think they kicked maybe a 43-yard field goal. Yeah, well, it would have, I think it would have put them at the 35-yard line instead of the 25-yard line, roughly, if I remember correctly. But then, yeah. you know, you're never sure what's going to happen that next play. Um, and having Zerline, the kicker, he's got a really strong leg. He's known he's known to have a strong leg. So I, it wasn't going to knock him out of range necessarily. And I uh, didn't want to give him another shot at, at the uh, at better field position there. So, um, you know, it was kind of a neutral situation for us and figured we'd just take fourth down as it was. Okay. Um, it, when Steph has a game like he had yesterday, um, what do you have to do to get a secondary receiving option going because w when it's so skewed in favor of him, I have to think that, uh, you know, opposing defensive coordinators are going to see that and kind of gear up to stop him. So if, if that does end up being the case, how, how important is it for the offense to have that, you know, secondary receiving option that you can lean on? Yeah, just, I think that's big. I think it's really big, whether it's a wide receiver, tight end back, whatever it is um, we need that. And um probably didn't get it as as much as we would have liked to yesterday and thought Steph had a, had a good day overall and obviously had the touchdown and, uh, on the scramble play there. Um, it was productive in the two minute drive to, to go tied as well. And, uh, but I did see in the two minute drive, 
um, you know, Gabe, Gabe uh, stepped up his game there, which were, is when we needed him to do it. And, um, you know, other guys were involved. Just, I think we could, we could mix some of those guys in there some more as well in terms of opportunities. And, and, uh, and so there's only one ball, all that being said, right. And you want to make sure um, that Steph gets what he needs in terms of uh, as a number one receiver that he is for us. And, um, but, but, uh, spraying the ball around and, and other people becoming viable options for us is, is also important for us. Sounds good. Thanks, Sean. Yep. Hey, Sean. Um, a few different things. To start with, Christian Benford just playing 100% of the snaps on defense. Um, what did you make of his game yesterday, how he did? Right. I thought he, I thought he handled himself well. Um, he, he was around the ball. He tackled well. Uh, made a great a great play on that long run effort wise to, to allow us to line up again and saved us four points there as we made the red zone stop and forced a field goal. So a lot of good things. Uh, I know there's some things he wants to work on as he continues to move forward. And um, it's important that, um, you know, he continues to, to uh, improve his game week by week here. Is that a position that you feel good that that's his role now, or is that still kind of a week to week evaluation on who will start there? Yeah, well, I think that's that's kind of how it goes anyway, right? Whether you're young or older, and, and it's a hey, every every week you want to put your best foot forward and continue to grow. And um, he just started his very first game, you know, so that's uh, it's still a new new situation opportunity for him. Um, and then on the flip side, with Kyra healthy scratch, what do you guys still need to see out of him as he you know continues to find his role in this defense? Yeah, I mean, he's just got to continue to um, you know have a great week of practice and continue to improve his game in the areas that he needs to work on. And, um, you know, the, like I've said before, the tape is what is what we go by. So the film is what we go by. And, uh, you know, I felt like Christian had the more consistent offseason, really. Um, and then just with Terrell Bernard to jump quickly, what did you make of his game and how did communication go there? Yeah, communication was pretty good overall, especially for a first time. Um, and TB who hadn't had a lot of reps, you know, through the, through the training camp because of the injury. Um, but I did some really good things, thought it was physical, um, played some, you know, good aware, had good awareness in, in zone coverage and, um, uh, but then, you know, things he wants to do better as well from the standpoint of, um, opportunities when, when we pressure and, and, uh, just a little bit of operation, um, in terms of our communication, but overall I thought it was. That was a good first alley for him. Sure. Hey, Sean, I know you touched on the turnovers, but I was curious with the three interceptions, when you watched those back, was there a theme or like kind of something consistent that was happening on those that you could take away from them? No. Um, no, I mean, just uh, all the, most of them were down the field, right? And, um, you know, uh, I mentioned last night, I think some of those were uh, when we were off schedule a little bit, and but not all of them were um, uh, to say about all of them. It was just, just overall balls thrown down the field. And, um, you know, sometimes we needed the yards, sometimes we didn't need the yards and, and just trying to be smart and play good situationally smart football and um, just trying to do too much sometimes. Right. And, and uh, Josh is such a strong competitor and has that competitive drive and, wants to wants to help the team in every, any and every way he can and um, sometimes we just gotta um, you know just chip away at it when we're off schedule uh, or if it's third down and long um, know that a punt is okay and uh, 
So it's just all about being, um, you know, playing winning football at the end of the day. And then I was curious on another note. Um, I also joined a little late, so sorry if you talked about this already, but from your perspective, calling the plays and with the game management stuff, how did that go yesterday? Did you feel like the flow was there with that being your first time kind of doing both? How did that go? Yeah, I mean, every game's different. You know, some games are going to have more uh, game management things that come up um, than others. Yesterday, um, uh, you know, I thought uh, we did a fairly good, fairly decent job on uh, the communication on, on handling the game uh, management piece and um, you know, tried to get that the one down the end with 10 seconds to go and, and get the ball about five yards closer if we could and, um, you know, for TV and his kick and um, try to get that ball in the flat there. But um, I thought TV, TV made, it, made a nice, uh, had a nice kick down the stretch and, but, uh, you know, got that ball between the uprights and um, hit off the one, but got a good bounce, which is good. So, but overall, uh, rather smooth. Thanks. Hey coach, one more for me. I know you talked about Josh being such a fierce competitor and, and I know you love those types of guys on the team. Um, but where do you kind of toe that line of, of Josh being that fierce competitor, but, but living to, to see another down? Well, yeah, I mean, that's, uh, when you say living to see another down, what comes to mind is number one, physically his health, right. And just playing smart. Um, you know, we don't need Josh to, um, sacrifice his body as much as he does. Um, and just, and just slide or go out of bounds from a, from a health standpoint. Um, number one, because we need him healthy through the entire season. And then number two is, um, you know, just keeping, keeping the big picture in mind at all times or as much as possible that, um, you know, we're, there's just linking all three phases up and playing good complementary football is important. So it doesn't all have to happen at, at once or on one down in particular. Thanks, Coach. Sure. Those are all the questions we have. Appreciate everyone's time. All right, that's head coach Sean McDermott addressing the media here this afternoon, a day after the overtime loss to the Jets in week one. One step closer to the week two matchup against the Raiders who we already heard from Dan Orlovsky comment that it is going to be a power-running football team, how the Bills handle that at the second level of their defense, knowing they are a little bit lighter and more athletic there, will be very interesting going into this Week 2 matchup, the home opener for the Bills here at Highmark Stadium, 1 p.m. kickoff on Sunday. We step aside and take a break, but I'll be back to close things up here on a Buffalo Football Tuesday on One Bills Live, presented by Collider Health. It's Buffalo Bills Radio. All right, Chris Brown, Steve Tasker back here on One Bills Live. And if you thought it was difficult as a Bills fan to watch the outcome of last night's Monday Night Football game, there are some bar goers in Wisconsin that not only had to stomach the outcome of the game, but also all the money flying out of their wallet. A Wisconsin bar offered free drinks last night if the Jets lost the Monday night football game to the Bills. After Aaron Rodgers went down, and the reason why this Wisconsin bar is offering it is because Aaron Rodgers is now with the Jets. After Aaron Rodgers goes down and is out for the game after four plays, 
people start all of these, it up. All these bar goers started ordering heavy, assuming the Bills were going to win the game and their drinks would be free. The best part is, Steve, the 11 o'clock news team is there at the bar for a report on this story as the game-winning punt return is being taken back by Gibson, basically meaning that every one of these bar goers owes for their tabs on the evening. The facial expressions are priceless. Yeah, even disgruntled So is bills, their bar tab. <laughs> even disgruntled Bills fans can kind of appreciate the humor in that. That's... Whew. That's a great place to that be with is, a camera live, oh though, as an gosh. 11 o'clock news team. Can you imagine running up a bar tab knowing it's going to be free, and then all of a sudden it, it comes due? And it's going to be like $750. And it's your, own, it's your own fault for gambling? Oh, my goodness gracious. Like the number of bar goers with their hands on their head watching the end of that game, knowing it was literally going to <laughs> pull money out of their wallet or put money on their credit card was stomach-churning for them in oh Wisconsin. Oh, gosh. Good stuff. Hopefully they uh, – they can survive and pay their credit card right. bill on time. So we're going to turn the page tomorrow. I mean, yes. we can. We, you know, I know we're going to. Think everybody this, wants. We're going to do that. catch a couple of strays, I'm sure, tomorrow. But by the same token, by the same token, we're going to start talking about <laughs> the Las Vegas Raiders: Jimmy Garoppolo, Devontae Adams, Josh Jacobs, and the crew: Josh McDaniels and. Um, one Don't of the most, Max Crosby on the other side. Max Crosby. So we're, we're yeah, it, it's going to be a, another game here coming down home opener in Buffalo. Looking forward to it. Yeah, it's a it's a good recipe for a bounce back week for sure. Steve and I will be here to talk about it tomorrow. Back to our regularly one o'clock start schedule. We'll uh, we'll dice it up for you, get you ready for it, and hopefully get you amped up at the same. Hang time. Hang on, guy. We're going to be fine, Pope people. We're going to be all right. Don't worry. We're going to be fine. Yeah, we'll see you tomorrow at one.